And welcome into Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC, from the WBCA NABC Hoopsville Studios. I want to thank you for tuning in. It is February the 18th. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, and we hope you are enjoying this basketball season in Division Three. It is certainly crazy. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Got a lot to talk about. We'll start with Lancaster Bible surviving an upset. Gallaudet, which we knew would give him a hard time, was leading 36-28 at the break. But Lancaster Bible outscored the Bison 48-28 in the second half to win by 12, 76-64, one of their closer games in recent history, to say the least. Lancaster Bible remains undefeated at 23-0. Um, Gallaudet falls to 15-7. Um... Of course, Lancaster Bible not regionally ranked yet again. <laughs> it is what it is, folks. Lancaster Bible's in a situation that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Uh, they need to win out to guarantee they're in the NCAA tournament, and hopefully they don't need to deal with a possible at-large bid, which would probably not happen as it stands now. Certainly, things could change. The rankings could change. The committees could change their opinions of the fact that their SOS is a 414. But no guarantees. Their SOS will rise a little bit when they play the NEAC tournament, but it won't rise enough to make a significant step in the right direction. Got an email regarding Lancaster Bible. We certainly won't go into all the particulars. Um, but if you have an email question for us, you can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. This uh, gentleman who emailed us, I'll be getting back in touch with them uh, via that. It's just too complicated with what he's asked me to get into on the show. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, that is one of those things that certainly we will be following throughout the rest of the next 10 days of the regular season before it comes to a close here on February 28th. And obviously, um, you know, we'll have plenty to talk about on that night. I'm hoping for everybody's sake. The Lancaster Bible enters the NCAA tournament undefeated. It means they won the AQ. It means it's taking care of business, and we don't have to worry about it. That's what I'm hoping, to say the least. Um, rankings did come out, as we pointed out. Um, nothing, or, I mean, besides the fact that a team like Lancaster Bible not ranked, not overly surprising. I do know the National Committee on the men's side did make some adjustments and some movements and move some things around. Um, on a, in a couple areas, don't know specifics, and, or at least can't tell you specifics. Some information is off the record, um, but we do know they made some moves. Uh, I was a little surprised New Jersey City was number one. Um, it's nothing against New Jersey City, who certainly has you know good data when you look at it across the East. I just thought the two wins by De, or two less losses by DeSales would potentially move them up the ranking in, a little higher. And I thought they would be number one. Um, but it just wasn't to be, essentially. Um, and I even know in that region that there may have been other movements around. But you know, New Jersey City's wins over Stockton are why they're ahead of Stockton. That makes sense. I just, the sales of New Jersey City's numbers are equal. So, you know, that's the only one that I kind of, you know, a little surprised by. Uh, the sales not getting helped by Delaware Valley right now, who has lost quite a few games recently. 
We'll see how that plays out. Benedictine, number one, no surprise there over Augustana. St. Norbert being number three is certainly an interesting situation over North Central. That's clearly a win-loss scenario. Um, you know, I've, I've had a feeling that the SOS has been controlling this, the regional rankings uh, a little bit more than I'd like them to be. Lancaster Bible being a prime example of that. In fact, they're not regionally ranked at all in the East region. But here's an example where St. Norbert is over North Central uh, despite a difference in the, the SOS. And I, I don't have an issue with that. North Central being over Elmhurst is strictly because North Central's beaten Elmhurst. They were pretty much equal, and I'm suspecting, in a lot of other categories there. Aurora being regionally ranked certainly helps Benedictine, by the way, as well. In the East, Plattsburgh State, number one, no surprise. Rochester could, certainly could have made the argument, but I like I like Plattsburgh being number one, Rochester being number two. Rochester now giving UAA a chance of getting an at-large bid, which uh, I don't think really was in the cards originally. NYU jumps into the regional rankings. I think that was probably part and parcel for beating Emory, a number one team regionally ranked. Um Nonetheless, Rochester being number two is a good thing for the UAA. Um, we'll get to the South in a minute, but you know, in case they don't win the automatic bid by winning the conference, they've got a very good chance of possibly getting into the NCAA tournament as an at-large, which will give that UAA, you know, I, I was thinking UAA was going to join the WIAC and possibly the ODAC as being one bid league, and, and maybe the UAA will not. Maybe they'll get that second bid. In the Great Lakes, Marietta put their foot down on the conf on the region and obviously moved up to number one. John Carroll being number two, no surprise. Ohio Wesleyan, Alma, Hope, Worcester, Hiram, no surprises here. St. Vincent moving into number nine, maybe a little bit of a surprise, but again, they've got some good wins. Mid-Atlantic, nothing surprising here on the men's side. Christopher Newport, Susquehanna, Salisbury, Catholic, Scranton, Franklin and Marshall. Maybe that Franklin and Marshall is still being ranked. Uh, after yet another loss uh, against an average at best SOS, but I could be I could be wrong. Franklin and Marshall certainly could be okay. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, note says uh, Elmer's is a surprisingly weak SOS. That's why NCC is ahead. Oh, it's a difference of 0.07. Interesting. So Elmer's has a, a weaker SOS than I than I than I actually actually thought there. But that also goes along. The 0.07 uh, will play itself out with the fact that uh, Elmer's and North Central are, are two games apart, essentially, two and a half games apart. So that .07 is essentially that about that two games, which makes the win-loss of the SOS a wash. So North Central's win over Elmer's now goes into play there uh, and the rest of their regional um, criteria. In the Northeast, Amherst being number one, training number two. Again, no surprises there. Tufts three, Babson four, uh, WPI five. I'm a little surprised WPI still five. I thought maybe they would drop a little bit. Eastern Connecticut, then Wesley and Johnson and Wales falling, being about eight is no surprise. Really, to be honest with you, Eastern Connecticut's even in danger of not making the NCAA tournament. After five in the Northeast, I think you're in trouble. Granted, some of these are going to be automatic bids, but I think their data there is in trouble. I don't, I don't like the data. South Texas Lutheran, a surprise one in my opinion. Virginia Wesley in two, then Emory three, Lynchburg four, LaGrange five. This is where Emory's now in a little bit of trouble, I think. Um... I think they can maybe get in. Their SOS is ridiculous, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. So I'm not overly shocked if they do get in. Um, based on that, our SOS, it's about 600. Um, but after Emory, I think you, you, you're you're holding on for dear life. In the West, St. Thomas, Whitworth, Whitman, St. John, St. Olaf, Concordia, Augsburg. Whitman in great position here. Uh, they're going to take probably another loss, most likely in conference play, unless they win the AQ. So I think Whitman's in pretty good shape. They don't have a great SOS. Uh, no surprise there, but they've got results versus regionally ranked opponents. Most likely will get another one unless they stumble in the tournament. Um, so I like where Whitman's sitting here. Whitman could get their first ever 
bid to the tournament. That being said, they also could be a blocker for everybody behind them. Uh, on the women's side, uh, really no surprises here off the top of my head. Um, you know, going through a lot of losses. I mean, that's the big thing that you, you get used to is seeing is just a lot of losses um, that, that I'm not used to. And the Great Lakes is ridiculous. Thomas Moore, number one at 22-0. Hope, number two at 22-0. Nohan Northern, number three at 20-3. Denison, four at 20-3. There's Bluffton sitting at six at 19-2. Rose Holman's at 18-3, sitting seventh. Not a lot of losses in the Great Lakes. Talk about a tough region. Same in the Mid-Atlantic. Scranton's number one at 23-0. Albright's 22-2. Muhlenberg's 20-2. Christopher Newport's 21-2. Um, before you get to Mary Washington in 19 and four, I think the interesting thing talking to McDaniel's head coach the other day, they're sitting eighth. Now they have to go out and win the conference, but because the mid Atlantic is so strong on the women's side, if they can somehow get ahead of Moravian and be in a battle a bit with Marymount, there's a good chance McDaniel could get in that large bid. I don't like their chances, uh, but it's a better than none chance. They still need to win, but I think the mid Atlantic will go deep on the women's side with picks. Northeast, no surprise. Tufts, Amherst, uh, University of New England getting some respect for their conference, out-of-conference record. Bowden, Johnson, and Wales is higher on the women's side than on the men's. That tells you a little bit that the SOS is a bit stronger of an argument on the men's side than it is on the women's side. I think your example is right there at Johnson and Wales. On the, on the women's side, fifth. On the men's side, eighth. Um, and we've been making that argument for a few years now. Eastern Connecticut is six, Connecticut College seven, Keene State eight, Emmanuel nine, Williams ten, and so on. South, no surprises there either. Kind of, kind of expected them to be there. Trinity's a little lower than I thought they would be. I think SOS is actually playing a role there, but they're sitting sixth in a must-win situation for them now. And then the West is a behemoth. George Fox at 20-0, St. Thomas at 20-3. Claremont Mudd Scripps, nice to, nice to see them at 19-3. Might mean that uh, CMS could actually lose the conference tournament and still get into the NCAA tournament. That's nice for the Sky Act. That's certainly not something that the men can muster. Nice to see that the women can as well. Um, switching gears dramatically and shifting over. Did you see the uh, Lynchburg uh, Roanoke men's basketball game last night? Double overtime, 160 to 150 something, 155. Ridiculous, to say the least. I was talking to several people today who kept asking me, oh, is, is, was somebody running the system in there? No. If you remember our interview with Paige Moyer uh, a few weeks, maybe months back, Paige talked about using the VMI program and mentality. In their offense, it's it's quick shooting, certainly, but different. And they actually do play half court defense. A lot of foul or free throws, you should say, because uh, both teams attacked the rim. They really did. I was watching the game. They really attacked the rim. And so they drew fouls. Uh, they not a lot of cheap fouls. Um, and both teams battled it out. It was a heck of a game, to be completely honest. Speaking of that, coming up, we will talk to a guy who played in that game. Alex Graves, senior forward for Lynchburg will join us on the show to talk about playing in that game. At the same time, he'll talk about uh, what it was like uh, atmospheric-wise there. He fouled out of the game, one of five guys who fouled out of the game. We'll talk to him about that game. Then we'll head up to the Northeast, talk to Howard Herman from the Berkshire Eagle, get a little bit of a preview of the NESCAC tournament. Uh, the NESCAC men's and women's basketball tournaments kick off on Saturday. CUNYAC actually starts tomorrow, but we'll take a look at the uh, the NESCAC tonight with Howard Herman, both, both men and women. Get his picks for who he thinks wins and who his dark horses are, including on the women's side where it looks like it's a tough Amherst race. 
Uh, then we'll get into our coaches' interviews. We'll talk to Hope women's basketball coach Brian Morehouse. Won his 500th game a little while back, but a big doubleheader coming up this weekend. Hope versus Calvin. Oh, man, I wish I could be there for it. Unfortunately, can't make it. It's rare to get a Hope Calvin doubleheader for starters, and it's even more rare to get it on the final game of the regular season. Three of the four teams are nationally ranked. Talk about a heck of an atmosphere in Grand Rapids. We'll talk to Hope's Brian Morehouse coming up on that. Then we'll uh, head uh, to uh, the Virginia uh, Beach Newport News area. Talk to Christopher Newport, women's basketball. Coach Bill, uh, Coach Bill Broddington will join us on the show. Talk about his team, who is really going to be dangerous and they're already dangerous, but they're going to be really dangerous in the next few years. We'll talk to him about the little secrets with his squad that no one may fully appreciate. Then we'll head up northern New York. Plattsburgh State is uh, taking control of the Tsuniak, has already won the regular season. They'll be hosting the men's basketball tournament. they got two more games to play, and there's a lot on the line. So we'll talk to Plattsburgh coming up. Also talk to Whitman. We'll head out and talk to Eric Bridgeland about his missionaries, their chances of not only maybe making the NCAA tournament, but there's even a chance they could still host the conference tournament. If everything falls into place this weekend, maybe Pacific Lutheran does their job and beats Whitworth. It could happen, and if it does, Whitman would be hosting. Why that is so important to their program and where they've come in just a few years that Eric's been in charge, we'll talk to the Whitman head coach. And we may still have more after that to be determined. Uh, a jam-packed show, to say the least. And with that, we're going to get going. But don't forget, interact with us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville and on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well. When we come back, we'll talk to Lynchburg's Alex Graves about that absolutely crazy game down there in Virginia. His take on it and, uh, and plenty more. Uh, and, of course, as we said, also our, re our preview of the NESCAC region. It's all ahead here on Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoopsville right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. 
It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. Welcome back to Hoops. We're presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA NABC Studios. Of course, you can interact with us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville on your Twitter account. Go to Facebook at Facebook.com Hoopsville. Join us on Instagram if you'd like to at D3Hoopsville. And of course, we're on our, uh, you can even email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. So I know I was watching last night. Uh, I left my basketball game, got a text message from uh, ODAC Assistant Commissioner J.J. Nekoloff, my friend, saying, hey, have you seen this? It's 131-131 going into overtime. Luckily, I hadn't gotten into the car to start driving when I got that message, or I would have driven off the road. Uh, needless to say, the game was called up on the phone as I drove, hands-free, uh, home, and then uh, called it up when I was at the house, and even my wife did a double take when I showed her the score in double overtime. Big game. A lot of scoring, and not necessarily because they're playing the system. Uh, and it was an awesome atmosphere to see a game as well. If you missed the headline, and I, I can't believe you would have missed the headline, Lynchburg defeated uh, uh, Roanoke, number 21 team in the country, 160 to 156. Kind of crosses the, uh, you got to be kidding me, border. All kinds of records, all kinds of season highs were set in that one. So we figured we want to talk to somebody who, who may understand what it was like to play in that game. And Lynchburg offered up one of their seniors. Alex Graves joins us on the City of Salem Hotline. Alex, uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, so first and foremost, at what point did you realize this was going to be that insane a game? Um, Really when, uh, right from the opening tip, I mean, we, <laughs> knew they, we knew they played fast. Yeah. They were pressing us, and we were kind of running with them as well. Um, but at one point with like 10 minutes to go in the first half, it was like 43-40, something like that. <laughs> so well, that's with 10 minutes to go in the first half. So we definitely knew it was going to be a high-scoring game at that point. End of the first half, it was 71-66, which is uh, basically a final score <laughs> in most games. But that was just a halftime score. So it was definitely wild from the start. Hey, listen, if you're Grinnell or, or you're even a, a Greenville or somebody like that who plays the system, you know, those scores aren't that surprising. But, you know, yes, Roanoke plays an up-tempo style, but even they haven't put those kinds of points up. But both you guys, both Lynchburg and Roanoke, shot better than 57% for that game. That's a kind of game, that kind of scoring that I would figure you guys would wear yourselves out. You just kept hitting shots. Yeah, I mean, everyone was just kind of in a groove and just, just the way the game was flowing, I mean, they're open shots, and both sides are just knocking shots down and uh, getting to the basket, getting to the free throw line. I mean, everyone's just kind of in a rhythm, and just the flow of the game uh, really uh, went to the off to the offensive side for sure. Uh, you you finished with a paltry twenty two points. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, seven of seven, ten, seven to ten shooting, eight for ten from the free throw line. Also hauled in seven rebounds. Should point out that was fourth highest amongst both teams. Your teammate. Austin Arnold had 41. Uh, Bobby Ford off the bench had 24. For Roanoke, C.J. Miles had 25. And uh, John Caldwell had 22 in this game. Uh, hey, we should give a shout-out, too, though, to uh, Zach, uh, uh, Zach Burnett. Uh, 15 points a game, or for the game. Uh, 11 points for Jay uh, Al, uh, Allen and A.J. Hamilton had 12. Um, oh, I, I totally forgot. I had my screen in the wrong spot here. Cameron Smith for Roanoke, 32. Joey Miller for Roanoke, 31. Carter Wright also had 20. So tons of points aplenty. What's it like 
to play in that game? Um, honestly, it's just it's hard to describe, to be honest. Um, it's just everyone's hitting shots constantly, and I mean, you're trying to get stops, but everyone's just so red hot that I mean, you just got at some point you just got to try to match basket for basket, and really whoever kind of missed missed first lost. Um, it was just everyone was just red hot. I don't really. It's kind of hard. It's a hard game to describe. Really. I've never really been in a part of anything like it. That's for sure. Should point out too, by the way, uh, nothing against you, but you were one of five guys who fouled out of the game. <laughs> Uh, Jay Allen, AJ Hamilton, your teammates fouled out. Cameron Smith and CJ Miles fouled out for Roanoke. But there were a, you know, there weren't a ton of fouls called. But you guys all marched to the free throw line quite a bit in this game too. Yeah, I mean, we shot fifty-eight free throws and they shot fifty-four. So um, that's a ton of free throws to be shot in a game. Um, and but we both of us were driving, getting to the basket. Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely fouls gonna be called when uh, you're playing like that, but. Uh, like I said, it's just a hard game to describe. Uh, just the atmosphere and everything. Just playing a game like that—it's really hard to uh, talk about it. I don't know. It's, it's just—it's an odd game for sure. Well, I, if I remember correctly, and correct me because you played in the game, you remember you guys had a chance to win it in regulation. Am I correct? And then Roanoke was able to hit a big shot to to force overtime. Uh, yeah, we we had a chance to win in regulation, and uh, we we just missed. Missed the shot, and uh, we had a chance to win at the end of the first overtime too. We missed, we yeah. just missed the shot there as well. Um, so we definitely had our opportunities, but it worked out in the end for us. I, I, when you have those opportunities and you can't close the deal, or Roanoke, for example, is able to hit that shot to force the issue and continue the game, how do you keep that from getting into your head? How do you keep that from, oh, geez, they just hit another one. We got to go to overtime again. I mean, how do you keep that the mental focus on the task at hand and not let it kind of beat you up that you can't get it done um honestly well we went to double overtime with them last year so it's not an odd occurrence to uh, go extra time <laughs> so um we just talked about and it's guys this is fun i mean this is what you play basketball for i mean double overtime game uh i mean just stay focused we didn't lose so i mean we definitely got five more minutes to play um just stay focused and just uh stay the course and someone's gonna have to step up and make a play and that's what we did at at the end, so. Uh, by the way, uh, so my curiosity is what what was the crowd like? Uh, you know, you can kind of read into a, what a crowd's like from listening to a, or watching a, a, a video stream of the game, but you really can't appreciate it unless you're there. What was what was the home crowd like for you guys? I mean, they definitely they definitely were important. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. It's hard not to get into a game when it's double overtime, 130 to 130. But um, I mean, they definitely were crazy. I mean, that big shot after big shot, I mean, they were going nuts. And I mean, Rono kept quiet them and then we'd make a shot and they'd get back into it. So, I mean, it was definitely, it was just a crazy game to be a part of. I mean, the environment, the atmosphere was great. So uh, they were definitely into it. We should point out it was senior day or senior night for you guys. Obviously you and five of your teammates were honored. I know everybody has their moments of when that or their memories of like, hey, I'd love senior day. I'd love to get a win or I want to hit the big shot or I want to play well in front of the crowd. I don't think anybody describes 160 points in a double overtime game necessarily. Uh, yeah, we have senior night on Saturday. We play Virginia Wesleyan. Oh, I'm sorry. That's coming up. Yeah, we play Wesleyan for uh, senior night. So, on Saturday. so you're going to have to top this is, is even worse. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's that's the game plan. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, Virginia Wesleyan's going to be a little bit of a different team. But what's it like to play Roanoke? I mean, 
know, we had Paige Moyer on the show earlier this season. He talks about the VMA, VMI-type style that they play. Um, it's it's not necessarily a run-and-gun system. They just come down and, and take shots, and, of course, they hit, hit a lot of them. Um, and then they play some you know, some serious half-court defense against you, despite what the score said. What's it like to play there against that system? Um, well, this is the first time we played them this year, so um, we haven't uh, we didn't really get a chance to feel them out. Um, I mean, I kind of compared it to the Chip Kelly uh, football system, where it's just fast paced, <laughs> and it's hard to yeah. it's hard to replicate that in practice because you're not really used to it, and um, it's different because they don't really have a traditional big. So um, they're basically playing five out the entire time. So it's really hard to simulate in practice for scout and. Uh, it's just it's just a different type of game. It's something I've never really been a part of before. So it's just hard to get a grasp of what they actually do and have a good simulation of it. You guys were 15 of 30 from beyond the arc, which is an insane 50%. Uh, I noticed you didn't take any shots. Did you have the red light on? Were you not allowed to take a shot from outside? No, I just I do a lot of my work uh, under the basket. So uh, I'll leave the threes to guys like Bobby and, uh, and Zach and guys like that. So. Well. I'll let, them, I'll let them have their fun out there. Uh, obviously, Bobby was 8 for 11, so he's pretty pretty good at yeah. that. Um, yeah, not too shabby. I'll leave, I'll leave that to them. Yeah, Bobby off the board, off the bench. 8 for 11. By the way, he did not take a shot from inside the arc at all. His overall shooting was 8 for 11, all from beyond the arc. What's the buzz been like on campus today? Uh, I mean, it's just, it's been crazy. I mean, people just come, come up to you and are like, man, good game last night, and all that kind of stuff, and like it's just crazy. I mean, people—that's really the word that everyone uses to describe it, is it's crazy. Yeah. Because, um, like you said, no one's really ever seen a game like this or been a part of a game and actually be in the stands or be on the bench and actually witness witness it firsthand is uh, unreal. Well, Alex, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, before I let you go, though, how how do you like your team necessarily uh, the rest of the way? You guys are now tied with Roanoke, second in the conference. Um, obviously, the conference tournament is around the corner. What do you what do you think about your team's chances at maybe winning an ODAC title here? Uh, I mean, we just gotta uh, come to work every day, um, just get better in the next week, um, and just come ready to play. I mean, the ODAC's a great league. Um, been a- um, so we're everyone. You just gotta come to play and. Uh, be ready to go when they throw the ball up and tip it off uh, next week. Alex, you got a chance in coaching, in my opinion, or that or Hillary Scott's grooved you quite well because those are the, some of the best coachisms ever thrown into an answer all together at one time. <laughs> uh, well done. Well done, Alex. Very well done. Uh, well, good luck. Obviously, the big game on Saturday against Virginia Wesley, we're expecting at least 160 points from you, so don't worry. No pressure. Um, now we just want you to do it in one overtime though. We're going to, we're going to take five minutes off the clock and force the issue for you. Um, and, uh, we always have a tradition on the show. We give the guests the final word, any final thoughts you want to share with anybody who might be watching? Uh, no, I just, I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, I've seen your show before. Um, but thanks for having me. Well, thank you, Alex. Appreciate it. Good luck. At least rest up today. You guys deserve it. Get a little ice on the legs if you need to. And, uh, we'll, uh, look forward to seeing how the Hornets do the rest of the way. All right, thank you. Sounds good. Alex Graves joining us from uh, Lynchburg. Again, the team putting up a record 160 points against uh, Roanoke in a 160-56 loss. Think about it. They all scored about 30 points each in just the two five-minute overtime periods. Uh, in ridiculous game that was well played. I mean, both teams shot more than 57%. I mean, that's it's insane. Um, but congratulations. Thanks, Alex, for coming on. Uh, seven or more uh, NCAA and ODAC records and team records were broken. 
A whole mess of season high records were broken. It wasn't a runaway game. It was competitive the whole way. Uh, that it's just fun to watch, to say the least. And congratulations to Lynchburg, who are now eighteen and six overall, eleven and four in conference play, and as we said, tied with Roanoke for second, uh, the all important second, obviously. And then they'll move on to uh, ODAC tournament play next week. But Virginia Wesleyan ahead on Saturday. Going to take another break. When we come back, um, we'll jump up to the Northeast, get a preview of the NESCAC Men's and Women's Conference Championships. Take a look at who we think may win those and who may be the dark horses. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Thanks to the City of Salem, sponsor of our hotline. Of course, City of Salem sponsoring the Division Three Men's Basketball Championship weekend once again. Get your tickets online today and join us for the championships in the, Ho- in the Roanoke Valley. You're listening to Hoops. We'll be back with more right after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure. The game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, we uh, jam-packed Thursday here, uh, as it is normal this time of year. Uh, of course, in a week, we'll be in the midst of conference tournaments, and in a week and a half, we'll be talking about who's in and who's possibly out of the NCAA tournament. And actually, we also know who will be out, but that doesn't make for good news. It's only the ones who are possibly out or possibly in that makes for more interesting chit-chat here on Hoopsville. You can always follow us on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com. Slash Hoopsville. We're on Instagram now as well, at D3Hoopsville. Of course, don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising page. We are at about 50% now, hoping uh, in the next 10 days, the final 10 days of the push, to uh, hit our goal and and, and su- supersede it. Uh, we want to hit the goal and pass it, and your help is invaluable to do that. So please consider um, helping us out. We'll be tweeting out the link throughout the show, and, and we're going to get aggressive now in the last 10 days of this campaign, too. Uh, just as a heads up, um, just talked about a thrilling game with Lynchburg. I want to thank uh, them coming on the show and talking about just an incredible double overtime game that everybody is talking about today. Kind of makes for a little bit of a weird transition, but now we're going to transition in the Northeast and talk about the NESCAC. They're the first ones to kind of get their conference going. By the way, you should also mention that CUNYAC gets their conference tournament going as well. 
Uh, but primarily the NASCAC is our focus here this evening. Uh, you got the men's and women's sides. Of course, remember on the men's side, Wesleyan won it as the seven seed last year. And of course, on the women's side, it's been the Tufts and Amherst show for a number of years. So we thought we'd go to one of our experts up there in the Northeast, and that is Howard Herman, sports columnist at the Berkshire Eagle. Normally covers Williams primarily, but as a result, he certainly knows uh, the NASCAC well. And of course, uh, Williams down a little bit, uh, Howard. So as a result, uh, you've got a little bit more focus on the rest of the NASCAC. <laughs> it is, it's been it's been a very interesting year in the conference. <laughs> I've heard people say to me, hey, NASCAC is down. Yeah. I don't think NASCAC is down. No. Uh, what I think it is, is that the bottom, a lot of the teams that used to be on the bottom have crawled closer to the top. Yeah. I think there's I think there's much more parity in the league this year. Even Trinity, that finished nine and one in the conference, could have finished a lot worse because they had a couple of really close wins, including you know, including one against Williams the first weekend of conference play. Um, but I think you know, but maybe one through seven, this league's pretty good. Well, if you look at it, 2013 on the men's side, you had three teams who had single-digit wins. This year, you have nobody that low. Everybody's got double digit wins. Surprisingly, back in 2013, Trinity, Connecticut was 9 and 15, 8 and 2 in the conference. Look at this. They're 18 and 6 in the overall. They are 9 and 1 in conference play. They are the number 1 seed with a game advantage on Amherst who is 20 and 4 overall. Uh, we've been down this road with them though before cuz last year they were the number 1 seed as well and hosted the tournament. Did not win it, but certainly uh, did very well in the NCAA tournament as a result. Um, is this, is theirs basically theirs to lose? I'm not sure if it's theirs to lose. I think Amherst is always going to be strong. Tufts has come out of the woods the last couple of years and has been very good. And if you look at the team, you know, Tufts is the number one offensive team in the conference and Trinity is the number two defensive team in the conference. Yeah. And Amherst is number two in offense and number four in defense. I kind of like, you know, I kind of feel that, you know, that even though Trinity has the better record, this is Amherst's tournament to lose in, the, in, that, in that sense, even though they are down at Trinity. I just think that they are, they've been on this stage more than anybody else, so they know what's expected. And Amherst is kind of lurking there. Obviously 20-4, and four, a couple interesting losses this season. According to the, of course, the loss to Wesleyan in the non-NESCAC game has everybody talking. I was even talking to somebody yesterday about it in the Mid-Atlantic region, if you can believe it. Um, Tufts is the other team here, <clears throat> 19 and five, kind of lurking. Middlebury's seems like the the crazy one here. They're 14 and 10, six and four in conference to set themselves up fourth. And Wesleyan, I think, in a strange position, they're fifth. They're used to seventh, right? I mean, this is they're a little bit higher than we normally see. Yes, Wesleyan and Williams actually tied at right. five and five, but Wesleyan won the conference game and got the five seed, and Williams got the six seed. Um, the Middlebury-Wesleyan game is a toss-up to me. Um, Middlebury's played very well. Wesleyan, very talented. You know, I, you know I, I think Joe Riley did great, has done a great recruiting job there the last couple of years. And the team in my area, William, I think they're the team to, you know, if somebody in the lower half of the bracket is going to win, and I don't consider a 4-5 game a lower half of the bracket, yeah. but if somebody 6 through 8 is going to pull an upset, it's going to be Williams over Tufts. Because that was a that was a four point game in Williamstown, and will and of Williams's five tr- conference losses, four of them were by a combined fourteen points. That's amazing, and that's with a team. And I told we were talking before we went on the air. That's a team that starts um, 
one freshman and three uh, and three of the top four reserves coming off the bench are also freshmen. Mm. This is an extremely young basketball team. What I also find interesting about this conference is Bates not playing in the tournament. This is a Bates team who last year, I mean, it was just last year, was playing phenomenally well. Um, Bowden, at one point this season, was just trucking along, and then the second half hit, and they have fallen off. It's really been not a, a conference that's been down, but a conference that's been all over the place this season. Yeah, Bowden is especially the surprising one. You're looking at a team that has two of the top ten scorers in the conference, the leading scorer in Lucas Hausman. Um, but as a team, they're seventh in the league in offense and ninth in the league in defense. Hausman and Jack Simons, the freshman, or first year if you prefer to use the NESCAT term, um, are, you know, that's as good a one-two punch as, as there might be. The problem that Bowden seems to have is that there's no three, four, and five in that in that punching in that punching area. Whereas everybody above them, and I'll include the two teams tied for fifth, have mo- you know have more than just two weapons. Sure. Uh, so the tournament's going to be this: it's Trinity versus uh, Colby in the in the one eight game. It'll be Amherst versus Bowden, Tufts versus Williams, and Middlebury versus William uh, Wesleyan. Uh, the first teams we mentioned are all the home teams in that scenario. Uh, on this men's side, who's your pick to win it? it? Obviously, by the way, we should point out the first round games will be on Saturday at host sites, and then it goes to Trinity uh, the next weekend. Assuming Trinity assuming assuming, Colby doesn't shock the world. Correct. Assuming Trinity doesn't get beat by Colby, uh, that's a very good point. <laughs> Worthy of, a, of bringing it up after last year's tournament. Um, but from your point of view, you know, who is the winner of this? It's going to be uh, to me. It's going to be it's going to be Amherst Trinity. I like the Lord Jeffs in this game. Okay, I think they're go. I think they have enough good. I think they have more good good offensive players. And I think if it comes, you know, it's going to be Trinity's defense against Amherst's offense. Um, I'm not sure if Connor Green might not just be the best player in the league, but. Um, He's been he's been outstanding. Johnny McCarthy, um, the Eastern Mass kid, been really good as a sophomore for them. I like them in a very cl- in a very close, hard fought game. Um, if it can't be those two, is there a dark horse? I think middle. I think it'll be. I think Wesleyan. I really think Wesleyan's a good, a good dark horse choice. I mean, they finished five and five in the conference. They were eighteen and six overall. Um, I I I like what they have done. I think they're very, you know, I th- some really talented guys. BJ Davis is just just outstanding. And I I think they're a legitimate dark horse. And we'll see what happens. Obviously things kick off on Saturday, tip off on Saturday in the conference for the playoffs and and a few extra lar- at large bids will come out of this conference as well, but that one's a whole mess of a conversation to try and be having two weeks in advance <laughs> yeah the one thing you, the, the one thing you, that you get you get concerned about if a wesleyan or a williams or somebody like that goes and shocks the world and wins a title then the, the then that will send a couple of shockwaves through the rest yeah. of division three absolutely b- because there will be some potentially worthy at large teams yep. 
that won't be able to go because one of these teams that wasn't going to go to the tournament won their league. Yep. And well, Wesleyan winning last year ended up with four NESCAC teams as a result of that, and that popped at least one, maybe two bubbles the rest of the country. Uh, let's shift over to the women's side. And I'll, I'll be honest, this felt very ho-hum this year. It's been Tufts and Amherst, and that's about it. Tufts did uh, end Amherst's incredible home winning streak before it got to an NCAA overall record. Uh, they're number one at ten and zero in the conference, and twenty one and two. Amherst is nine and one, twenty three and one. Of course, Amherst is the higher. Uh, no, I shouldn't say that they're a higher ranked team. I don't know that for sure, because um, you know I don't have the top twenty five memorized. Um, there they are. Amherst is seven and Tufts is six, so it seems appropriate. Um, Bowden <coughs> is third. Connecticut College and Colby tied for fourth. Williams and then Bates. And I say ho hum, uh, Howard, because honestly, outside of Tufts and Amherst, there hasn't been a lot of talk about anybody else. There really hasn't been. Early in the season, early in January, the Williams women were rolling. Yeah. They were nationally ranked. Yeah. And it's like they hit a wall. Good point. And ended, and ended up like the men, 5-5, five and 17-7 five, and seven overall. If you're looking for a dark horse, because I really love the player, keep an eye on Connecticut College. The fourth seed, they will host number five Colby on Saturday afternoon. Myriad Hines uh, was the rookie of the year last year in the conference. Mm. Brian Wilson is an outstanding basketball coach. Um, Brian Wilson comes from the, actually got his start um, working with Pat Manning at Williams and also with Harry Sheehy at Williams. Right. And then went on and coached for about eight or nine years uh, under Bill Gibbons at Holy Cross before he took before he took the con college job i'm a little prejudiced i've known brian wilson <laughs> since he was a little leaguer because he's because he, he's from our area um but i you know i think she i think hines is that good of a player you know she's a she's a handful to handle down on the blocks for for anybody um obviously you know tufts and Amherst are gonna you know if they don't if somebody doesn't if somebody brings a b minus game yeah. And you never know. Sure. There could be an upset. But I suspect it's going to be Tufts and Amherst, and I suspect it's going to be Tufts winning again. Uh, fascinating that you, know, you talk about Connecticut College here. I quickly want to go back to Williams. Uh, you talk about hitting a wall. They're 8-6 and six in the 2016 part of their schedule, the last 16 games. What's more amazing is they're giving up more points in conference than they're scoring, yet in the overall in the season they're still outscoring their opponents. That just shows you the difference between the out-of-conference and the conference schedule. Um, we talk which, about, means they were, which means they were 9-0 and yeah. before they started playing well, in conference play. Uh, they had one loss. One, okay, one loss. Yeah, okay, yes, one loss because they have seven overall. That's why the wife does the books around here. <clears throat> I understand, but, sir. Um, but, yeah, and it was like um, they, 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 were, they were cruising along, and Devin Caveney was scoring like crazy, and then all of a sudden she got cold. Yeah, and I'm not so sure. As good as Amani Fernandez is, the sophomore point guard from Christ the King High School, and then went to prep school, um, that I think you you know I'm not sure you want your point guard number five in the conference in scoring. No, you're right. Uh, although although she is also the leading assist person in the in in NESCAC. It's a lot of so that's a pretty that's a you know, and I suspect that you know that she might be a first teamer. Yeah, probably. But um, but they. Their secondary scoring has been has has been kind of lacking. I thought this team was going to be in the top twenty all year. Sure. I I thought they were as good as everybody underneath Tufts and Amherst. 
Um, let, I just thinking about the the of course the Northeast Tufts and Amherst are the number one and two uh, regionally ranked teams as we speak. So certainly, if they were both to get to the championship game, they could probably secure home court advantage. Of course, both teams have priority on the women's side. Uh, over the men, at least on the Amherst side of things, so Amherst men may have to hit the road uh, the first weekend. But you know, an extra loss for Amherst m- might not do them any good, and it may not do Tufts any good. But they k- still could be the top two seeds in the Northeast. We should point out, by the way, Tufts will be playing Middlebury, uh, Amherst will be playing Bates, Bowden will be playing Williams, Co- Connecticut College playing Colby. The the first names again were all all the home teams there. Um, and I'm with you, Howard. I, I, yeah, a dark horse in Connecticut College is nice, but I just cannot imagine this isn't going to be Tufts or Amherst. I don't. I, I don't either. But since you asked me for a dark horse, yeah, no, that's I, why. Know, that's, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one I think is a real dark horse because I really like the Heinz girl. I think she's you know a really good you know really good strong inside player, and I think especially in the NCAA tournament, you yeah. need somebody like that you know on your you know on your blocks. Sure. Because you can't do, you know, it was like a couple of years ago when, when, you know, when, when Williams and Amherst both went to the Final Four. Williams was an unusual team because they didn't, you know, because they don't play that way right. normally with, you know, with a, with a big, strong post presence. But I, think I, but I think the really good teams that win national championships, especially in the women's game, you've got to have a post presence. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. The good ones always do. Hey, Howard, I appreciate you taking the time to join me here on the show, sir, and previewing the NESCAC tournament coming up. It'll be a fun one, especially on the men's side. The women one will just be interesting to see if, if someone can knock off either of those two top seeds. Uh, as always, you give the, top, the final word to the guest. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? I'm looking forward to see, seeing what happens, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next year to a certain extent because when you start reading names that, that, that are popping up as the guys who are coming, coming along next year, um, people, I, people in the know mm-hmm. tell me that um, that in two years that Williams coach Kevin Appis had two really good recruiting classes. Interesting. And um, and again, much like his predecessor and one of his many mentors, it's a national class. Uh, if you look at most of the men, if you look at a lot of the really good men's teams in NESCAC, a lot of New England guys. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the most of the guys that are playing at Williams, it's a national footprint, because and and that goes back to Mike Maker when he was here. Yep. He used to tell me there's only a certain number of guys who can do the work and play at this level, and I'm recruiting them, and Amherst is recruiting them, and MIT is recruiting them, and Tufts is recruiting them, and all the NESCAC schools. So he went elsewhere. Sure. I mean, Robin Duncan Robinson was an exception because he's a New England guy, and. But most of the guys, you know, Dan Wall came from, you know, was from Los Angeles. Hayden Rook Lee, who was on the team last year, came from Oregon. Mike Mayer came from Durham, North Carolina. So they continue to be on their national footprint. Whether that works out and gets them back to Salem in the next year or two, you know, that that's going to be up to the coaching staff to get them up there. But they are. It's fascinating to watch the different how the different schools recruit and where they go. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate it, the insight, and uh, look forward to chatting with you offline down the road. Dave, great talking to you, and uh, hopefully one of these days I'll get back to Salem and we'll all have dinner. We'll look forward to seeing you there, Howard. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Howard Herman joining us on the City of Salem Hotline. I want to thank the City of Salem for their uh, sponsorship of the hotline. Of course, City of Salem 
proud hosts of the 20th Division Three Men's Basketball Championship weekend. Of course, their 19th national title will be handed out there in Salem coming up in the in the uh, Roanoke Valley. Make sure you get t- your tickets online today. I want to thank Howard for giving us that preview. When we come back, <clears throat> we'll talk to some of the coaches who are making waves across the country, and we'll switch into some women's basketball. Head out to Hope. Brian Morehouse has one of the best winning percentages in all of division in all of college basketball in women's basketball I should say we'll talk to him about winning number 500 and the big big matchup coming up this weekend hope versus calvin to close out the regular season you listen to hoopsol presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios more hoopsol right after this i'm a division 3 student athlete and i know how powerful words can be the term gay doesn't mean stupid lame or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. For the love of the game. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. For the love of the game. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We're coming from you from the WBCA and ABC studios, of course, presented by D3 Hoops. Dot com. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Already had a good talk there about that Lynchburg-Guilford. Uh, Guilford, Guilford's in my mind for some reason. Lynchburg-Gronoke game. And, of course, talking NESCAC tournament, which will be fascinating to watch, especially on the men's side, but the women's side, certainly, between Tufts and Amherst as they jockey for position in the Northeast. We should mention, by the way, one more set of regional rankings will be coming out on Wednesday. 
in the middle of conference tournaments. That's the last one that we will see. There is a fourth set that will be done that will be used for selections. We just don't get the chance to see them unless we're able to glean some information on Selection Sunday. Of course, that show will be 6 o'clock a week and a half from now, but the next two shows, 7 o'clock. Uh, got a contribution to the Hoopsville campaign, uh, the fundraising campaign in the middle of the show. We appreciate it as we speak. Uh, we will uh, hit a, the the uh, Twitters, as it were, um, and send out the link for that campaign. Um, please consider helping us out. Uh, what you can do will help us cover Division Three the way it deserves to be covered. We are now over the 50% threshold, but we've got less. There are about 10 days left in the campaign, and we want to go past our goal. Not hit our goal. We want to go past our goal. So really, in reality, we're not even halfway there. So help us out. All right, so we just got done talking uh, about two of the women's teams that certainly are uh, getting attention uh, in the top of the polls, Tufts and Amherst. But the other team that's been chugging along this season has been tough uh, to ignore just how good they've been, has been hope. Yet again, Coach Brian Morehouse's squad undefeated at 24-0, 15-0 in the MIAA. Normally that would get you some number one first place votes. We'll talk about why that may not be the case. But joining us now on the Hoopsville Hotline is said coach, Brian Morehouse, who won number 500 recently. Coach, congratulations and welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Dave. Pleasure to join you. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, well, first and foremost, 500 wins uh, in your 20 years. That is that is nothing to sneeze at. That is an average of 20 wins a season. We still got some basketball to play this year. That That is a very significant number. Congratulations to that. What does that mean to you? Well, uh, apparently not a lot because my SID had to tell me um, the week I was going to break it that I was I could possibly break it that week, and he said, uh, "You know you're going to, you know you got a chance to do this week." And I said, "I named off the team we were playing on Wednesday." And I said, "Beat this team?" He goes, "No, it has to do with your one loss record." And I go, uh, "Maybe keep a zero on the end of it." And he goes, "No, you can win your 500 this week." And I go. What are you talking about, man? Wow. Um, I don't know. I just don't get too caught up in that. I, I really, I mean, it's, it's it was the best thing about the whole 500 thing was the stars aligned somehow, and we were honoring our 06 national championship mm-hmm. team that weekend. Yeah, pretty and, impressive. Uh, it was, yeah, and and it, it, I mean, we had planned this over a year in advance, so. I mean, this took into NCAA tournament games last year and everything, and so we're playing, and they're there, and that was really meaningful. It happened to also be our alumni day, and it was really cool, all the people that were in town that uh, had a whole lot more responsibility in making those 500 wins than than the guy that uh, got honored. So uh, it was really cool to renew all those relationships. First off, you're way too humble. Uh, Second of all, uh, clearly what happened was in the St. Thomas game last year in the Sweet 16, you said, listen, if I win this, that weekend yeah. doesn't work out. So what I'm going to have to do is we're going to have to uh-huh. roll over here. Yeah, that's, ex- <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wait, but back to the humble here. Come on. 500 wins. You are the fourth best winning percentage in all of college basketball for, for active coaches, all divisions. The interesting thing is the top five has four Division three coaches in there. Um, Meeks, GP Gromacki, yourself, and Nancy Fay. Unfortunately, you're all chasing Gino up there at Connecticut. Um, but that that's significant in in so many ways. Um, but to be with that kind of, of of class of coaches, that says a lot. Well, I mean, and that that's probably the thing that 
I enjoy the most is the people that are ahead of me, you know, with people like Nancy, who I just think of as the, the best of all time and, um, you know, and, uh, and GP and, you know, just people that I have had a chance to get to know throughout the years and have the utmost respect on how they do things. And, uh, you know, winning is great, but I think the process that you go through to win is far more important than the actual wins and losses. And, you know, if you just talk to kids that are in their program that have graduated from their program, um, you know, and hopefully that have graduated from my program, you understand that it goes deeper than the wins and the losses. It's about the process. It's about the off the court stuff. It's about, you know, developing young women um, into people that are going to go out to society and make a huge difference. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of those kids surrounding me. Uh, you certainly, uh, you certainly have had a number of great talents there. Um, last ten years that I was able to go back on, you've won twenty-four more games in nine of those seasons. Uh, that that one season you're off, you won twenty-two. I mean, uh, let's be real; it's it's pretty incredible, Mark, that you've had. Of course, you guys are undefeated this season. Um, and as we said at the beginning, you probably would be getting a lot more love and first place votes and all that stuff if there wasn't a behemoth at the top named Thomas Moore, uh, mm. you know, obviously they're in your region, which makes it even more crazy. Um, yeah. And the fact that the, the, the tournament basically goes through your region, it's going to go through Capital in the semifinals, and it's going to go through um, Indianapolis for the championship. It's most likely going to go through Thomas Moore on one side of a bracket, probably going to go through you guys on another side of the bracket. This is one. This is shaping up to be a, an exciting NCAA tournament kind of in your backyard. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've had a chance to watch Thomas Moore a couple times. I mean, they played uh, at Calvin, um, yeah. so we had a chance to see him play there. <laughs> and and uh, and then uh, you know we've we've seen him on videotape uh, another time, and they're really good. I saw him uh, live at the Final Four last year, and um, I think they're probably better this year. Uh, and but you know, I I think it's good for women's basketball. Sure. Um, you know, it's it's good that we have good teams in Division Three. It's good that we have good players. I mean, um, people should go out and see a Division Three game if they haven't. Um, and if they're listening to the show, they probably don't have to tell them that. But um, I mean, it's uh, it's great basketball. I mean, you can look around the nation this year, uh, this weekend, and you know, I mean, you tell me how many people are going to have four thousand people at their game that yeah. are not Division One. Yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, it just is. Uh, we we are we're very fortunate. Hope to to be playing meaningful games and um, to be in a great region. And uh, you know we know that there's a lot of other good teams out there as well. I mean there's some out west and you know George Fox looks like they're having another great year. I mean he's uh, he's doing a great job. And you know of course the WEAC is you know strong from top to bottom. And then you know UAA is super strong this year as well as a number of other conferences. So it's a great year for Division Three basketball. Um, how good is your team? You've got two seniors on this squad, and you're 24 and 0. Not, not talking about the fact that you're going to be good for a while, but because Thomas Moore is getting the headlines and, and there's other things going on, maybe we don't have an appreciation of just how good is this team. Well, um, I mean, we graduated six seniors last year, so yeah. I mean, if you if you I mean, if you're asking me if I saw this all coming. Um, the answer is no. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I thought that we were going to be pretty good this year. I didn't think that we were going to be undefeated. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with 
I know it's an overused word, but I mean, it's uh, we our kids like each other. They, we have great chemistry. Um, it's uh, they they work incredibly hard at practice. I, I know if you go to through the top 10, 20 teams, I mean, every coach is going to say that because you're not good if you don't work hard at practice. You're not just doing the right count. But I mean, we do like each other. We play well uh, together. We share the ball. Um, we don't rely on you know one or two kids to to score the ball. Um, we spread it around. I mean, last night um, a kid that wasn't even on our team last year um, had 10 points, and uh, she's a junior. So I mean, it's we've we've got balanced scoring. Um, you know, we we tend to move the ball pretty well, and I think defensively we're good um, and uh, have a chance to you know continue to get better. But. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the NCAA tournament's crazy, though. You know that. I mean, I, I've been through this thing where I've won it in a year, and, you know, the next year I had a really good team when we lost in the first round to a, a, a good Denison team. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it depends on who you draw. It depends on how you're playing. It depends on your health. It depends on luck. I mean, I, the NCAA tournament is wacko, especially <laughs> in Division Three, where they don't really feed you. Um, and, you know, you and I have talked about that before, but you know, it comes down to geography in so many uh, cases. And, uh, you know, and that's okay because that is the sport that we play and that yeah. is the division that we play in. And, and I respect that. I mean, I, I don't whine about that at all. But it does certainly play a role in, you know, who your national champion is on certain years. And it certainly depends, uh, plays a role in who actually gets to the Final Four for a chance to play in it. Um, yeah, we know the playing field, as it were, before we're getting on it. Uh, we know it's got some rocks and some 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 pitfalls. Um, your team's led by a senior and more uh, uh, McAfee. Yep. Uh, 15 and a half points a game, 10 and a half rebounds a game, um, nearly two uh, steals a game. Francesca Buchanan, a freshman at, at nine and a half points a game. Victoria Swift, a freshman, nine points a game. Um, Elizabeth Perkins, a junior, seven and a half points a game, and then seven points plus each. From Mandy uh, Traversa, a junior, and uh, Angelique Gaddy, a junior. So certainly, uh, you'll you'll miss McAfee when she's gone, but you've got a whole mess of talent behind them. Uh, you talk about them liking each other and and talk about them playing as a team. Um, is that something that can also be dangerous, though? That you kind of get a, a little too comfortable. Um, I don't know. I mean, probably not with. Cranky coach like myself hanging out <laughs> around them. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot of comfort that comes from our practices most days. Um, you know, but I don't have to be that guy very often in practice because they do come in with a really good work ethic. And, um, you know, I mean, they like me and I like them. And I think that's one thing that makes it go. Um, you know, we're, uh, they're not all super highly recruited kids either. I mean, Frankie Buchanan wasn't a highly recruited um player i mean she didn't play aau um and you know we found her at our team camp and people got really interested in her by the you know two-thirds of the way through her senior year but you know she flew under the radar and uh mcafee flew under the radar um you know interesting story about that is that my friend's a, a division two coach up in her hometown and <laughs> and uh and he said, this kid's really good. And I was like, yeah, she is pretty good. And he goes, no, you, I see her every day. Like, man, she's really good. Like, <laughs> she's going to be an All-American for you. And I was like, I don't know, kind of a funky-looking shot. I mean, great kid. I mean, but, geez, oh, peace. I mean, All-American, that's a pretty big statement. We don't talk about kids like that coming in. And, um, 
sure enough, I don't know what All-American teams she's been on, but I think she's been on as a sophomore, junior, and senior on <laughs> some teams, and I think she'll make one this year. Um, really hardworking kid, super humble. Um, you know, the second player ever at Hope College uh, to get 1,000 points and 1,000 rebounds, and I brag about her because she won't brag about herself. And, yeah. Um, and, and she just is like, she she would she's just embarrassed by the attention that she gets and you know Floyd Brady all timer in our men's program which is saying a lot because to be an all timer to be the best of all time in our men's program is saying a lot and he had fourteen hundred points and you know a lot a lot of rebounds a thousand rebounds and um, she's only the second player ever at Hope College male or female to get thousand thousand so um, anyway impressive kid and you know she's already been accepted to like three or four. PT schools and she's going to go to Belmont and you know just sort of the epitome of, a, of the division three athlete I think as far as great grades great attitude team first kid um, and then super talented you know flew under the radar for a lot of the D2s and D1s. Yeah she's quoted in the story about her a thousand rebounds talking about something it was something that she could realize she could bring to the team uh, everybody else could score she could maybe do this and, and look where it's left her you know as you said. <laughs> It's pretty yeah. amazing, um, to say the least. You, you've got a, a great team, Coach. It's it's fun to see. You've got a huge game this weekend. I, it was funny. It was a year or two ago I kept lamenting on the on the MIA. The one thing I, I didn't like was you didn't tr- play traditional doubleheaders in the sense that I can't sit at a calendar and go, okay, can I make a trip to Holland or Grand Rapids to see oh, these yeah. two teams play, you know, these two games, men and women doubleheaders. Yeah. This would be awesome. And lo yeah. and behold, this year pops up the final game of the regular season. It's Hope yeah. versus Calvin. I can't even go due to uh, other commitments, which is killing me. But just that, it's a, it seems like that would be a no-brainer, and this is a perfect way to end the regular season. Three of the teams are nationally ranked. You know, as you said, the place is going to be jam-packed. How great is the atmosphere? I mean, I've asked this question to you probably 100 times, but how yeah. great is this atmosphere on this rivalry? You know, it's it's hard to describe unless you play in it. Um, you know, I you you watch the Duke North Carolina game last night, and you're like, man, we're playing in the Duke North Carolina game of yeah. Division Three basketball. Yeah, and I mean that's the only way that I can like I, I, I sometimes I just sit there and I'm like, this is awesome, and you know I think it's it's the greatest thing about it is when as coaches, you know. Coach Ross and I have been through it, mm-hmm. and so it's it's always going to be special for us. But like to see kids, you know, kids, whatever. We're, I mean, our student athletes go through it. I mean, they only get four shots at it. And mm-hmm. when you're a freshman and it's brand new, you know, you just look at those kids and you're like, yeah, you're you're loving this right now. I mean, you are the biggest show going, and um, it's fun. I mean. They, they, the fan bases are passionate about it. Yes. Um, I think that the players have a deep level of respect for each other. But when you get on the floor, I mean, they just want to go at each other, which is, I think, a healthy thing. <laughs> um, and and it's, it, it brings out the best in, in players. And uh, so, you know, we, we beat them on the first time through. Uh, we played really well. And they missed shots, I think, that they normally make. Um, I don't think that they probably played their best game in that game. Um, and uh, so we know that they're going to be a lot better, you know, at, at home, you know, in this game. Um, you know, they've got so many snipers that sit around on the on the perimeter and they rebound so hard. And, you know, 
Anna Timmer so good, um, you know, sort of their captain, heart and soul kid. And um, so it's going to be a great atmosphere and the place is going to be jumping. I mean, they combine the ticket for the men and the women. So you got to pay 10 bucks to get in the door. But if you got a ticket to get in the door, you're going to be in a sold out field house. And uh, that's going to be pretty cool. And, you know, for the first time ever, the women's team is going to be on national TV. Um, yep. It's going to be broadcast nationally with WGVU. And that's a big, big deal for uh, the women's program. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, even better reason I wish I was getting to that game. And uh, my only qualm is, again, it's too bad that you can't look at that in the MIA and go, that should always be a doubleheader. They they should always be playing together to make that atmosphere better. But that's just me from the outside. You know, uh, I, I'm spoiled. And you'll, notice, and you'll notice I'm not saying anything right now. No, I noticed. If I do, I probably get in trouble. Yeah, so, I noticed. That's um, well, 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 well positioned uh, your comments there. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, well, but on top of that, you're still undefeated. Calvin would love to knock you off at their place. Obviously, it doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things. Um, you, you I mean you've wrapped up the conference um, regular season title? It's going to have to go through Holland, Michigan, nonetheless. But how important is it to still maybe close this season out before the tournament with a win on Saturday? Well, I think you want to build momentum um, heading into the tournament, and uh, you know the the best way to do that is continue to win. And um, everybody says, well, you know, does does a unbeaten streak, you know. Does that raise the level of pressure or anything like that? I mean, believe me, if you're at our practices right now and we're um, at our games, I mean, it, it doesn't. Uh, you know, I think our our players, um, they just, you know, it's everybody talks about taking one game at a time. We almost take it to the other, I mean, to to a whole nother extreme. I mean, uh, our players don't even know who's coming up on the schedule. I mean, they just know who they're playing next. I think they take that from the coaches and. You know, we just have sort of this mentality of, you know, put your head down, get in the bunker, go to work, and they'll tell you who you're going to play next. And, um, you know, so Calvin's next. And um, we know they're really good, and we know that they're gunning for us. And uh, it's going to be a great atmosphere, and their student section will be very creative. And um, and, and that's okay. That's, uh, that's a great part of uh, – I'm sure that they will have great comments for Coach Morehouse as well as – his players on the floor, and um, that's part of uh, what makes it entertaining. I love how you put that creative, uh, the Drew crew and everybody else. Uh, yeah, it's the, definitely the atmosphere that makes it fun. Uh, obviously, the tournament ahead in the NCAA tournament, um, it sounds like you're, from your point of view, you're playing a bit with house money here. You guys are just enjoying this ride. Uh, you know what? I mean, it's it's too short to do anything else. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I just finally made the decision, you know, it takes me a long time because I'm not smart, but you know, I, I just made the decision that, I mean, I'm, I got the greatest job in the world. I mean, I, I got to quit obsessing about, you know, what might happen negatively and, you know, really start to focus on all the great things that are presently happening. And, um, you know, you, you try to plan and, and you try to have your team ready, but, um, if you're so busy worrying about, you know, what's going to happen in the future, you lose the joy of the journey. And uh, so I've been better at it, uh, you know, the last couple of years. And I think that it's made my teams better um, just because I'm able to have fun with them. And, you know, the locker room is a place to, you know, laugh and, you know, have joy after games. And, and it's okay to celebrate victories. And um, it's okay to have high expectations because, you're not going to achieve anything great unless you have high expectations of your team on a daily basis. And, you know, I've got a group that echoes that sentiment this year and 
uh, they come into practice and they want to get better. And uh, it, it comes straight from our seniors and our captain, um, you know, with McAfee and Anderson and, um, and uh, Anjali Gaddy, uh, really setting the tone for each and every day. Well, I uh, congratulate you on one heck of a, uh, of, a, of a mark so far this season. Congratulate you once again on 500 wins. It's 503 now officially um, as you continue along that path. Uh, good luck this weekend uh, which in, in what will be a terrific atmosphere, I, I'm sure. I'll try and find a way to watch the game as well. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? I want to thank you for doing justice to division three you know when i got into this thing 20 years ago um i was coming from our men's program i was with coach van Leeren, um and you know it's just division three basketball is amazing division three overall is amazing and uh, you've taken that platform and not in a self-serving way but you know in a way that benefits the student athletes and really promotes them and and you've done it the right way and um i i just i, I know we've met a few times mm-hmm. but I can't tell you how much I appreciate being able to go to a website that's first class, listen to radio broadcasts like you do, and just have our kids be the focal point and not the afterthought. And so many times it feels like, you know, within whatever coaching associations or, you know, however you want to say it, you know, Division Three ends up being in a secondary role. And you put it as the star. And for uh, for myself and all the other Division Three coaches, I just want to say thank you because it makes us feel good. It makes our kids feel good. And you know what? Uh, they do deserve it based on the effort and the time that they put in. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate that. It means a lot. I will see you at somewhere down the road because I'm going to Indianapolis at, at, at the least. So I know I'll probably run into you there. Uh, in the meantime, hopefully I run into you in the tournament somewhere as well. Um, congratulations on the season and good luck. Thank you very much, Dave. Thanks for all you do. Have Absolutely. a great night. Thank you. Brian Morehouse joining us. Uh, they will face off against number two, 22, Calvin, 1230 Eastern time. A tip-off there at Calvin, uh, followed by the men's game. Hope versus Calvin. I mean, talk about It's a tough ticket, folks, so at least watch it online. Best rivalry in Division Three. One of the best rivalries in college basketball. ESPN did a poll a number of years ago. Hope Calvin was in the top five with the best rivalries of all college basketball. Um, congratulations, Coach Morehouse, on number 500 as well. Uh, thank you for the kind words. Those are certainly heartfelt, um, and I appreciate them. By the way, real quick shout-out to Alan Babbitt. We mentioned him on the Hoopsville Marathon helping us out, getting Alma and some other things. He's a tremendous sports information director. I've kn- I've got, I knew him when he was a writer up there, and now he's the SID, and I want to thank him for the help with that uh, interview. I uh, really appreciate it. Can I take another break? When we come back, continue talking top women's basketball. We'll talk about Christopher Newport. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Of course, should have mentioned Coach Morehouse was on the City of Salem hotline. City of Salem hosting the Division Three Men's Basketball Championship weekend for the 20th consecutive time. And we'll hand out the 19th consecutive, or I should say 19th overall, men's basketball title. That's all coming up in the Roanoke Valley. Get your tickets online to Today, you're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
Basketball.com. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. Ever. I was scared and shy. Uh, it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Welcome back to Hoopsville. This is Danielle Donahue, Executive Director of the WBCA. And we are a proud, proud partner and very excited about all the future broadcasts. Here's Dave. Thank you, Danielle. Appreciate that. The uh, WBCA pr uh, now new partners here on Hoopsville this season. We appreciate her support uh, and those who are, are behind the scenes getting the WBCA on board. Of course, this is Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We appreciate you all for tuning in. Don't forget, you can check us out on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. That's the same with Instagram at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville or email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Uh, we will certainly try and answer your questions as best as possible. Going to keep things moving along here as we're a little bit behind schedule, which in the grand scheme of things is pretty impressive that we're way behind schedule. Uh, talking women's basketball, another team that is certainly playing very well and maybe um, what it's not this season that you all should be worried about. Uh, Christopher Newport, uh, 22 and two this season, 15 and two in conference, the capital athletic conference. Those two losses came on back-to-back -back games in December, beginning of December against Salisbury and Marymount. They've been trucking along ever since 17 straight wins ever since then for Bill Broderick's team. So we go to the Hoopsville hotline sponsored by the city of Salem and joining us there is Bill Broderick coach. Welcome to Hoopsville, sir. 
Hey, thank you, Dave. Appreciate you uh, having me. Absolutely. Uh, I'm sorry I missed you, uh, watching you guys play York the other day. I was catching another game, then got up there in time for the second half of the men's game. But, you know, I was at least watched it online. Heck of a battle. I mean, the CAC in general has been a tough battle, and we'll get to that. But 22-2, and two, and I think what, you know, not to try and look past this season anyway, because we'll focus plenty on it, but I wanted to point out, it's about what's coming down the pike for this team not necessarily this year. You've got a ton of young talent coming to the table with this squad. You and and really that may be the scary part the rest of the way. Yeah, we um I guess we're kind of you know it's one of those you just don't know how things are going to go until you get in it, but um you know, I'd I'd be lying if I said that I expected us to be where we are right now. Um you know, we've We've got 16 kids on the roster, and, uh, you know, two, we've got a walk-on um, senior and junior that are great kids and supportive but don't necessarily get a chance to play. And uh, other than that, we've got eight sophomores and six freshmen, and we only play sophomores and freshmen right now. So it's, um, you know, it, it's fun in a lot of ways because we're we're constantly learning. And, I mean, even during the games, uh, you know, I'm almost coaching it like practice, and so it's just really learning on the fly because there's just not a lot of experience out there. So almost everything we do is a first, you know, and so they're uh, they're hanging in there, but um, it's just really a good young group. Uh, it certainly is. I'm talking to Ryan um, Scott, who did a great article on you guys, talking about how you're also still trying to get a – Get a sense of things. Try and figure things out. It feels like you're almost still coaching them and showing them the ways in the middle of games late in the season here. But they're like sponges. They're taking it all in, they're, and they're clearly adapting very nicely. Yeah, you know, the, I think one thing is we've got great team chemistry. Um, and I think anyone who, who coaches, and especially when you coach women's sports, team chemistry is so important. Um, and and our, our ladies really, really get along. They're really in it for one another. Um, they're totally bought into what we're doing. And, um, you know, so every day they're, we're getting after it. And, you know, practice is super competitive. Um, it's tough. And I think, you know, once we get to the games, uh, they feel like uh, they can relax and, and just play. There is one senior on this squad. There are two juniors on the squad, and the rest, sophomores and freshmen, are the ones coming to the table. You kind of talked about it with Ryan Scott. Don't want to go into details here. But you kind of had a little bit of a, a gap there in your ability to recruit for this team. Um, it doesn't seem like it's hurt you too much necessarily in X's and O's, but it certainly put you guys behind the eight ball. You're catching up pretty quick. Yeah, you know, it was just really a, a unique uh, situation here, I guess, Um you know the the coach was let go pretty uh, pretty close to the start of the season, um, so there was an interim coach, and then um, you know they didn't finish the hiring process until they got into the summer. So you know it really in order for me to have two full years of recruiting and to get to know the kids and those things, um, you know we were just kind of behind a little bit, and I think. You know, rather than just trying to jump on, um, you know, doing it the quick way or whatever, you know, we just really took our time and uh, and kind of went from there. So, um, let's talk about the squad, uh, led by Sam Porter, 
Um, sorry, hold on. I'm, I'm jumping between screens, which is always unfortunate. Uh, a sophomore <laughs> for you, 10.5 points a game, um, hauling down six-plus rebounds a game, two assists a game roughly. Uh, certainly a, a solid leader, shoots very well from the floor. Uh, then you have uh, Devin Bird. Um, Bird is yeah, scoring 10 points a game, uh, also six rebounds a game. Uh, Bird, uh, also a sophomore. You'll get the hint, everybody. Uh, Anitra Thomas, uh, nine and a half points a game. Um, certainly contributes. Thomas, uh, quickly, sophomore. <laughs> See, get the hint. So those are the top three. And that's what's amazing here, coaches. You, you, you're, you're scoring 72 points a game, and you don't have a ton of high scores. You've no, got a bunch of middle-of-the-road scores because we can re- relay off another five, six names here. Who are contributing anywhere from seven to po- seven to four points a game? Your and your leaders ten and a half. Yeah, you know we we talk about it as a team where and as coaches um, and in an, in an ideal world for us, you know we would average eighty a game and have ten kids averaging <laughs> eight points a game, um, and that's really you know there is no. There is no focal point on our team. Um, we're extremely unselfish, and we have, you know, different kids stepping up each night. And, you know, you were talking about at York, um, obviously a tough, tough team and a really tough place to play. And actually, yeah. the first time I actually have ever won there was this weekend. I was over for, for York for a while. <laughs> um, but we had, you know, we had a freshman step up, just Aguil, and have 20. And then last night, um, playing against a tough St. Mary's team who had us dead to rights, I think we were down seven with two minutes to go. And um, another one of our freshmen, Brooke Basinger, um, went five for eight from the three-point line, hit three threes in the last two minutes of the game. And so, you know, it's just different kids stepping up different nights. And, I, you know, I, I like that. I don't like really being able to have anyone to focus on. Um, and they're bought in, and I think it helps. We pay, play 10 to 13 kids a night, and it's able, you know, goes with our tempo and our style and being able to keep people fresh. And it, it's nice because when you look at our stats and you look at the CAC leaders, you know, we don't have one player in the top 25 in minutes played. And so our, our kids average about 25 or less minutes a game and I think they feel like they can go out and really leave it on the floor, ask for a sub and know that, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot drop off uh with that second group. So that's that's kind of the way we're building the uh building the program and, and the way I like to play. Where when you go back and look at those two back to back losses beginning in December and the second and fifth against Salisbury, which was a home game, you lost fifty four forty eight and then Marymount who beat you 49-44. What was interesting about it, those were pretty much the two lowest-scoring games you had all season long. You're, you're usually a much higher-scoring offense. Every once in a while you'll have a 50-point game, but it's usually high 50s. What was it about those two games that was off, and what is it about those two games that you've learned from that, it, that has helped you on this 17-game stretch? Well, I mean, I would say the first thing is I got to give a lot of credit to to Salisbury and Marymount, especially Marymount. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they are one of the top five teams or whatever in the country as far as scoring uh, average against. But so I, I think, you know, having a young team at that point, um, I mean, it was the first week of December, um, and really trying to figure out, you know, who we are. 
um, you know, what is our offense going to be? Who, you know, who are we going to go to at different situations? And so, you know, I was just watching the game today because, you know, we almost opened up with Marymount. It was our second or third game in the conference, and now it's the last game of the season. Yeah. So, you know, there's been two months or so, yeah. and, you know, just looking, and we're a – I mean, we're just a totally different team, and we, we don't even run some of the same stuff. So, so I think part of that was just really us figuring out uh, who we are and what we need to do and what works for this personnel. Um, as well as giving credit to those guys that really played a great, you know, good job and, and forced us to play their, you know, their pace. I mean, we talk about 60. It's kind of that magic number for us where, you know, usually if we can get the game into the 60s, um, you know, we're going to have a pretty good chance to win. But we know, you know, when we play in the, the 40s, 50s, then we're really playing their style, and we're gonna have a we're gonna have a tough time, you know, beating the Salisburys, Yorks, Mary Wash, Mary Mount. You know, I always tease though. You know, those guys want to play first to forty. We're trying to play first to eighty, and hmm. and if we play if we play their pace, then we're you know we're usually not going to be very successful. Uh, the Marymount game on Saturday has got a lot at stake. Um, you guys are. Tied with them atop the conference at 15 and 2. Whoever wins, I think, basically takes the uh, the regular season title. Well, yeah, obviously does take the regular season title. I don't know why I'm thinking there's a tie here. Whoever <laughs> wins takes the regular season title, and it dictates where this tournament goes through. It's either going to go through Arlington, Virginia, or it's going to go through uh, where you guys are down there in, in Virginia, uh, down in, in Newport News. That's a lot on this, and you point out the last game was two and a half months ago. Yeah. I mean, in, in basketball world, that's a whole other season ago. It, it really is. It really is. And, you know, I think the, the thing that I like about uh, this situation, and it's, you know, I was, we were talking about it today as, as a team where, you know, it's not very often that you're the home team, you have a chance to play, um, you know, for a regular season championship, and really the pressure is on the other team. Um, you know, you look at the Marymount team, you know, two of their top three players are seniors. Uh, one of their, you know, their top subs is a senior. So they, they've got a lot of veterans. Um, you know, I think for them thinking, hey, this is it. I mean, this is now. And for our kids knowing, hey, we want to do this now, but I mean, we've still got a few more years to experience this as well. And so, you know, I'm just hoping that we're, we're going to come in loose um, you know, and, and just really play to our strengths and, you know, to have our fans and to have it be here um, is just great. Well, and of course, combine it with the men, you guys have a total of three losses on the darn season. Uh, everything's going to have to go through them and the CAC men's side of things. It's it, What's the atmosphere like on campus with two absolutely dominating men, uh, basketball teams right now? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think some of our fans are spoiled a little bit, and <laughs> yeah, uh, probably. You know, um, we had. Uh, you know, yesterday was our uh, was our pink game, and it was just a great crowd. Um, the Zetas did a great job um, with their philanthropy, and um, you know, just a really, really good atmosphere. And I love. You know, we had a pretty decent crowd to start the game, um, but by the time it gets into that second half. Um, you know, it, it, the place was packed. And so, and we weren't playing very well and we weren't hitting very many shots. So we, we needed that big time, uh, that boost from our fans. And I'm sure, 
you know, this weekend will be senior night and senior day, I guess, and that's more for for the men. Um, we do have our our one uh, <laughs> yeah. our one senior who uh, who walked on this year from the track team. So we will we will definitely be honoring her, and it's been a pleasure having her out there. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a pretty good uh, pretty good atmosphere. Speaking of, of spoiled, I mean, you took over a program that under Carolyn Hunter and Chelsea Swears had gotten to the Final Four uh, in two seasons, had won 60 games and lost five. John Waters had the team for a year, and they did pretty darn well. Then you come in, you go Elite Eight and Sweet 16, and then last year, unfortunately, didn't make the tournament. Now you look like you're positioned to get back there. It seems like it's, it, you know, the, spoiled could be an understatement there a little bit. You, the, expectations are high that the team should do well. Yeah, you know that that was what, it's kind of a double-edged sword a little bit, you know, yeah. when you take over a program that's you know one year removed from the um, from the Final Four, the expectations are high. But I think, you know, for me taking this job, uh, you know, I took this job and really believing that we have a chance to win a national championship, and um, you know, I think the, the opportunities that are at this school, our campus. Um, we're less than five minutes from the beach. Um, I mean, it's just academically, we're quickly becoming one of the best schools on the East Coast. I mean, there's just so many good things um, to sell and that we have to offer that, you know, we should be successful. And and I'm okay with that. People say, wow, you know, you got big shoes to fill. And I mean, that's okay. You know, that's, that's why I came here to win. And um, you know, and luckily we've been able to, you know, we've been able to do some things right out of the gate. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join me to talk about the team. Uh, obviously, good things are happening in Newport News, and uh, I look forward to seeing how it plays out. Obviously, a huge game against Marymount coming up on Saturday, and then the and then the CAC tournament, which you I know hope is coming through the Friedman Center, but you got to get past Saturday first. As always, though, Coach, we give the final word to the coach. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah. Um, I guess I just uh, really want to thank you. Um, you know, it's it's been uh, for me. I mean, most of my experience was at the Division One level, and um, so I wasn't super familiar with really the D three game and all the different things. And um, you know, now being in just my fourth year, um, you know, the, the website that you do and the exposure for both men's and women's uh, Division three basketball. Um, is just outstanding, and um, you know it's it's just really really top notch. Um, I know I really put it out there, and I know a lot of our fans and parents and players follow you guys, and um, it, it's just refreshing. It's really really refreshing. You guys do a great job, and obviously you in particular. Um, so just really appreciate it, and, and just want to thank you for. Um, the exposure and the job that you do for D3 basketball. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. I always say it's a lot easier to do this show when coaches are willing to come on and talk. Uh, so thanks so <laughs> much for doing that. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on the captains and, uh, um, and at least enjoy the beach. It's five minutes away, okay? Absolutely. Hey, <laughs> thanks, Dave. Have a good evening. You too. Take care. Coach, All right. Coach Broderick joining us here on the City of Salem hotline. Of course, City of Salem hosting the Division Three Men's Championship weekend once again. Go to the Roanoke Valley and get your tickets today. Uh, I want to thank Coach Broderick for coming on. Uh, and, you know, captains are good. What's scary is they're going to be good for a number of years, folks. They're losing a senior who was a walk-on this year. Think about that. This is, this is going to be tough. And, by the way, the CAC this year is ridiculous. 
ridiculously good, especially the top. Christopher Newport, Marymount, Mary Washington, and York. All of them could be in the tournament this year. All of them could be in the NCAA tournament this year. It's good basketball. I remember this is what the CAC women's basketball used to be like. Went through a few years of a lull, but this is good stuff. Enjoying it nonetheless. Got to take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk men's basketball. We'll head up to North, excuse me, Northern New York to talk to Plattsburgh, and then we'll head out to the Northwest to talk to Whitman. And listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. Uh, it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying this Thursday show. Of course, don't forget, uh, we'll be on the air again at 7 o'clock this Sunday. And we'll be on the air again the next Thursday at 7 o'clock. Then it's Selection Sunday, believe it or not. And that's the show. We'll be on the air about 6 o'clock. And we will be going for most of the night. I'm talking to a lot of people who are either in or maybe on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. And then we'll be doing our predictions as well as who we think is going to be making the tournament all ahead of uh, Bracket Monday, which is on Leap Day this year, February 29th. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, we're on Instagram now as well, at D3Hoopsville, et cetera, et cetera. Etc. Uh, been talking lots of good basketball and lots of good topics the, uh, so far in this show. Uh, we're jumping around the country. We're just down in Virginia. Now we're jumping up uh, and talking women's basketball. We should say now we're jumping up in, into the uh, very northern reaches of New York State. Talking men's basketball. Suniac race has certainly been one of those more fascinating races this season. Uh, for a long time, it was tight. Uh, a lot of teams, five or six of them, all kind of vying for first place. 
Uh, and then Plattsburgh got a hold of the conference and has rolled away with it uh, in dominating fashion. Uh, the team is 19 and four overall, 14 and two in conference play with a monstrous lead on Oswego State uh, and Cortland State. They have wrapped up conference um, a tournament to come through their gym. That is taken care of, but they've still got two games to play. They still got positioning in the in the possible NCAA tournament to play for. There's still, in other words, a lot on the line. So. Uh, with that in mind, we go to the Hoopsville Hotline, and joining us is uh, Plattsburgh's head coach, Tom Curl. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks very much. Uh, like I said, you guys just at one point decided to pick up the reins of this conference and uh, pl- kind of blew the doors out ever since uh, basically the turn of the year. You were down in Miami right before Christmas and got a win over Stevenson and Mass Dartmouth. Then you came back up to the Northeast and from there have been rolling. Yes, Brockport tripped you up back in late January, and Oswego State just, uh, well, reintroduced you guys to a, a tub thumping uh midway through february but other than that you guys have been playing really good basketball yeah we've been playing well we've, it's uh, come together nicely for us um we've got um three seniors who have shown great leadership and uh we've got some younger players that uh far exceed our, our expectations this early in their careers I was going to say, uh, you know, I don't know what your expectations for the season were. I know a lot of people in the SUNYAC thought it would be a really good race this season. Uh, you would, you, you guys had won the conference last year. Certainly had a good year. Did you expect to be able to to kind of repeat last year this year? Uh, well, I think last year we were the favorite. Yeah. Going uh, in, we had five senior starters. Yeah. Um, and that had had success earlier in their career. Uh, and but this year I thought we could we would be competitive within the league for playoff spots and so forth. But certainly nobody would have predicted that we would uh, uh, secure home playoffs with uh, two games to play. You know, yeah. so uh, I think that we've got the players to be competitive I, every year. Um, but I think it's something that uh, it just kind of like you said it rolled together for us nicely and, and we just got on a little streak. So uh, I think that. We're, I'm not shocked that we're in the position we're in, um, but it's certainly a, a nice little surprise that we, sure. we wrapped it up this early. Yeah, I mean, you wrapped it up pretty I mean, even with two games to play, technically this was wrapped up before then. Obviously, you had to officially clinch it, but it was going to be a hard press to imagine anybody catching you guys the way you were playing and everybody else were playing. How much does last year still kind of stick in the craw, as it were, for you guys? You did lose a lot of seniors, and so technically that, that, that feeling outside of the coaching staff could go with them, but you know, you had high expectations last year. You were the number one seed in the SUNYAC. Unfortunately, Oswego tripped you guys up, and you guys left, got left at home. Uh, didn't even get into the NCAA tournament. It, has that been a driving force at all this season? Uh, well, that, that 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 wasn't real comfortable. We were on the board <laughs> for 19 rounds last year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> at 19 and 8, and uh, I think that I, I really believe that we should have made the tournament, you know, being the number one uh, team on the board from the East region. Um, you know, and, um, you know, the, the numbers are the numbers, I guess, but um, you know, we we try to play a competitive schedule every year. You can't always predict what your opponent's record is going to be at the end of the year, but we try to play a pretty competitive schedule every year. And uh, you know, I thought we should have been in. So does that have any bearing on this year? Uh, not to drive us to where we are, sure. but certainly uh, to say that that we've got to make sure that uh, we do everything we can that's in our control to not put it in somebody else's hands. So I think it. I think it's just a, not not a driving force, but a lesson learned. 
Um, lesson learned, certainly. Uh, yeah, go out and win the AQ, we tell a lot of teams, and, and that certainly yeah. will help you take care of business. Obviously, you guys have taken advantage of home court in the last couple of weeks. Uh, you, uh, due to a quirk in the schedule, applied played five straight home games uh, and uh, seven of your last nine games at home. And obviously in the Suniac, having to travel up to Plattsburgh is one of the more difficult trips along with Port, uh, along with uh, Potsdam. Um, obviously this week you will hit the road and travel to Brockport and travel to Geneseo. But in the meantime, everybody's got to come back to your place for the Suniac tournament. How important is, is Memorial Hall to you guys in the grand scheme of things? Well, we have, you know, we play a double round robin. Right. So that's, that's 18 conference games. So uh, what, when you're playing, the game doesn't matter. We're playing everybody twice. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you know, at the end of at the end of your uh, conference uh, round rob double round robin, uh, strength of schedule is 500. We only have seven games to play to increase our strength of schedule. You know, some other teams have 11 or 12 or 13. I think that makes a difference to the, you know, to to who gets in and who doesn't. Um, so the fact that we had these home games in a row, we had to go out in the road early and win, you know, win two games on the road at, uh, you know, Buffalo and Fredonia, um, Portland and Oswego. Those are uh, Oneana and New Pulse. Yeah. So we won all those road games early and put ourselves in the position yeah. to to uh, take advantage of these seven out of nine games. So, um, you know, the fact that they were, we did that, um, you know, the schedule isn't any easier because you have the five games in a row at home. We had to go out and put ourselves in a great position in the first uh, run through the, the uh, break, and we were 8-1 and one after playing each team uh, once. So we won a lot of road games to get to that 8-1. and one. And, and uh, you know, then that, at that point we looked and said, okay, if we take care of our home court advantage here, we can be in really good shape. Yeah, six of your first eight games, period, were on the road this season, and uh, uh, 10 of your 17 in the 2016 portion of the schedule have been at home um, so far. we got two more games, obviously, on the road, which will sway that number a little bit. But, Coach, curiosity, in the four games that you guys have lost, it's been basically games you don't seem to be in, if it makes any sense. Uh, Skidmore Beach in 94-69, Middlebury 71-49. Brockport, it was at least a bit closer, 11-point deficit, 74-63. And as we mentioned, Oswego with a 90-74 win just a, you know, back on uh, on uh, last Saturday. Um, what's been it about those four games that's been so different about the rest of the schedule? Uh, well, I'll go at them one at a time. Skidmore, we didn't realize how good we were, to be honest with you. We were, um, we were still figuring out lineups. We played a lot of different uh, combinations. Um, still trying to figure things out. Uh, and... Uh, you know they shot the ball well. Yeah. Uh, against uh, Middlebury, I think that was a scheduling snafu on my part. We uh, thought it would be a good idea to schedule a game a week Saturday after finals, and I think that, you know everybody, all their classmates are going home, and and you know we're traveling to Middlebury for a game, and they're trying to make arrangements with their parents to pick them up there. It just wasn't a. I think we just didn't schedule well. Uh, gotcha. But that's that that said, Ed Correa didn't play in that game either. Yeah. He's our he's kind of our uh, our leader. But Middlebury played very well that night. They, you know, they played extremely well, and we didn't. Uh, Brockport, um, in, it was a, they're just you know they give us trouble sometimes. They just you know they really get after the defensively. They just beat us. And then the other day when we were playing uh, Oswego, I, at one point I said, "Are we playing Oswego or the Golden State Warriors?" 
Brian Sortino's 8 for 12 from the three, hitting, <laughs> hitting step back threes. And I'm going, who the hell is that? Steph Curry? What's going on here? I mean, you know, so, so sometimes in, in that instance, you just have to tip your hat. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and he just, he just lit us up. And he, in the second half, you know, I, I think he, he was at six of his eight threes and he had seven assists. Hmm. You know, so they, you know, sometimes it, one guy can just, uh, Take, take the game over, and he did. You know, so I, I that that game was was just a tip your hat game, and, sure. and you know we move forward from there. Uh, you talk about the squad here. This is a team that's about ten to twelve deep on most nights. Uh, you're willing to go deep on this bench. What's really surprising and probably scary for everybody is that uh, while it is, uh, you know, you have some senior leadership. When you count just the seniors and juniors, it only counts for four guys on this squad. You do have a young team. Um, you're led by Kyle Richardson, 19.3 points a game, 10.5 rebounds a game. Um, he obviously is your all guy there at 52% from the floor, 31% from beyond the arc, uh, hands out and assist in the half a game on top of that. But you got four other guys in double figures uh, on top of that. Of course, Richardson is a senior, but Edward uh, Correa, as you talked about, 14 points a game, four rebounds, two and a half assists, 14 points from Jonathan Patron. Uh, Xavier Thomas, 10.5 points. Eli Bryant, 10 points. Uh, we should mention uh, Patron and Thomas, 7 and 6.5 rebounds each. So, yeah, you're going to miss Richardson in the future, but you've still got a lot of talent sitting behind this guy. Well, we, we do. Patron doesn't score for us. Or, or, excuse me, doesn't start for us. He comes off the bench. But <laughs> right. he, comes off, he comes off pretty early. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he gives us a, a different dimension when he comes in. He's a... He's a, a Really powerful man, you know, as a as a freshman, I mean, just powerful and, and does some things at at his size that that people are in awe of at times. To be honest with you, just the the way he uh, controls his body at at you know he's six three, two hundred fifty pounds. You know, wow. what I mean? so Jeez. he's, he's, a, he's a, there's a lot of humanity there. He's a tank, <laughs> yeah, and, and and can move. You know, so he and then Elijah Bryant um, came in and, as a uh, three-year player from uh, junior college in Borough Manhattan Community College. And, you know, he can create his own shot almost. Uh, when he, he, I think he's hit, he's probably five or five in his last, at the, at the end of the first half, just scoring at the end of the clock. You know what I mean? And just, so, he, you know, he, against Buffalo State, um, he hit a long three with three seconds remaining to, to give us a win. So we got some, those two in particular are, Instant, um, instantly made us better. And then the other piece that's really uh, helped with Zach uh, Coleman is a sophomore this year. He played minutes last year, but his level of improvement over one year has really been astounding. Um, you know, he he uh, he's a big guard, point guard. He's a six foot three point guard that, that um, uh, does a lot of little things for us. Very good defender. Um, that said. I, I, we do have some young talent, and we've got some kids on the bench that that I, I believe would get a lot of minutes for some other programs, and and they're, that are freshmen. And and you know when you, you I think that they're uh, they've really bought into we're going to go to a winning program and, and wait our turn. And so the future is bright for the program. I believe that, um, but we certainly will miss Correa, uh, Richardson, and, and Xavier Thomas next year. Yeah. Don't. Not for one minute anybody think that we won't. Their leadership has been outstanding. They've been positive. They've been the hardest workers. You know, when you lose your three hardest workers, yeah. 
um, there's no guarantee you're going to be good the next year unless somebody else picks up that mantle. That's true. Uh, very good point. Uh, we should mention, yeah, those three guys being the seniors certainly uh, have stepped up in major ways and had terrific seasons, as we pointed out. So you got these two games against Brockport and Geneseo. You've wrapped up the conference tournament. You know what happens with that large bids. I assume you got to take these two games just as seriously as if the conference was not wrapped up. No doubt about it. You know, there's, you know, the, the uh, Ed Correa has been in uh, three consecutive conference championships. This, you know, championship games. Um, and uh, he didn't go to an NCAA tournament. He went to a Sweet 16 as a sophomore. Yeah. Um, so he, he's been really telling them how important these games are, too. You know, so we've got players that have been in these situations. Um, uh, Xavier Thomas, the same situation. Uh, Kyle Richardson's only a second-year player, and so he hasn't been to an NCAA tournament um, as a senior. But uh, so they they know how important these games are, and they're, they're not going to rest on their laurels. I don't think for one second. And these are these are going to be tough games on the road. I mean, Brockport and Geneseo are very very good. Yeah. And uh, you know, so I think that uh, we can put ourselves in, a, I, I believe, a very good position with uh, any committee that's looking at. Uh, who belongs in the national tournament if we do well this weekend. Uh, and obviously they're playing for something, those two teams. Brockport and Genesee are tied for fourth at 10-6 and six in the conference. They're both playing for stuff here. Uh, there's 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 a lot on the line for, for them, so they're going to give their all to you guys. So you, obviously you, you know you're going to get two good games. Right, and, and one of the big things with our 10-team uh, league, we have a 16 tournament. Mm-hmm. So one and two get buys. Mm-hmm. Uh, one host, two gets a buy. And so I think that that number two seed is, is going to be hard, pretty heavily sought after by Brockport and Geneseo. They both and they both uh, competing for that still. Um, Cortland, you know, Cortland and Oswego will be rooting for Plattsburgh, no doubt about it, this weekend. But yeah. Geneseo and Brockport both still have that number two seed uh, in their sights. So they're going to be really competing hard for that. And uh, you know, you, you you're going to want that buy if you can get it. Uh, in particular, you know, you don't want that Tuesday game and then have to travel to Plattsburgh. Yeah. Well, I don't think they want to travel to Plattsburgh to begin with, but uh, you've taken care of that. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that. Everybody loves Plattsburgh. Plattsburgh's a great place to, to visit in February. Oh, I'm, I, I'm sure, yeah. Uh, that's exactly what they're all saying, especially the long trip up to Plattsburgh, <laughs> which either means having to go through the northern part of the state or shoot through the central part and then head north. Uh, yeah, I mean, if the Olympics were up there, I think it'd be a different conversation. Um, right. uh, well, Coach, I, I certainly wish you luck. I do want to ask you before I let you go, though, it's been an emotional year in the SUNYAC. Obviously, what's happened at New Pulse with uh, the accident that injured their players and then the unfortunate story that, that uh, and, and, and deaths in, at, at Geneseo. And while you guys are technically on the outside of those stories, it is the conference. And I know things got changed around for a lot of teams and schedules had to be adjusted, et cetera, et cetera. It has a ripple effect and ramifications down the road. Has it been, as emo- has it been emotional for you guys? Has it been you know, tough at times even for you guys sitting there on the outside looking in? Oh, very much so. And, and I'd like to mention, too, that Buff State has a – as a, a player from last year's team that's going through some very difficult yes. times. Well, yes, thank and, you. It's been hospitalized and, uh, you know, and so that, that uh, and it's still, and it's still uh, going through some very, very difficult times. And, yeah. and you know, so I mean, it's been emotional. I think, you know, one thing that the, the coaching staff in the SUNYAC all really, it's, it's a, we, we all get along very well. There's friendships there that we, we, very healthy competition. Um, 
but all the coaches are, are uh, you know, we're, we're friends, and, and when your friends are suffering, you're suffering. And, and sure. uh, you know, so, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's been tough, you know. Um, it's certainly been a lot tougher on those that are directly involved, um, but in particular the, the events with Geneseo, that, that, you know, that, that really, uh, the tragedy there was just so uh, emotional for everybody that looked at it around probably around the entire state and around the entire country, to be honest with you. And yeah. uh, so being close to that really, uh, it took some time to get over that. Yeah, I'm sure. No and obviously you'll be traveling to Geneseo this weekend for the regular season wrap up. Um, Coach, appreciate you taking the time to join us. I know you got a big trip here against Brockport and Geneseo. Uh, so taking time to join us tonight, I do appreciate if you, uh, um, uh, but as always, I should say, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, um, I think that if you if you really look at what the Suniac represents, um, it's it's a highly competitive league, um, and I think uh, it's it's something that this year in particular, we had seven teams. We knew there were seven teams that were going to be competing for six playoff spots, yeah. and it's going to come down probably to the last spot between the. Uh, Oneana and Buffalo, um, but you know it's it's tough when you beat each other up all year. Uh, at that, when you look at those at-large bids, you know uh, it's you know there's a really really competitive uh, night in night out league. So uh, you know I, I want to speak highly of Plattsburgh and our our players, but I think our league needs to uh, have that shout out too. It's a it's a good basketball. If you ever don't have anything to do and you want to live stream a SUNY game, it'd be worth your time. Absolutely agree with you. Well said, Coach. Well, thank you so much. Good luck this weekend. Good luck in the tournament as well. And I know we'll be probably uh, talking about you in a few weeks as we're talking about the NCAA tournament as well, Coach. Thanks so much. I hope so. Thank you very much. Tom Curl joining us from Plattsburgh. Again, the team 19-4 and overall, 14-2 and in conference play. Two games left at Brockport, at Geneseo. Of course, they've already wrapped up this tournament uh, in the sense of the regular season, I should say. They've wrapped up the fact that the tournament comes through them and Memorial Hall in Plattsburgh. Keep an eye out for them over there. Quick note on the women's side, I wanted to point out, New Paltz in the lead, but Geneseo uh, and Oneonta are tied. Hats off to the Geneseo squad, who, uh, despite the tragedy, is still competing at a really high level. And then quickly back to the men. In second place, Oswego State and Cortland, 11-6 and in conference. They have one game left. They are tied for second, and they're playing each other for that second-place spot. So almost a mini-tournament game coming up this weekend in the Suniac as well. We're going to take a break. When we come back, continue talking men's basketball. We'll jump from the northern parts of New York State to the great Northwest. We'll talk to Whitman about what's going on in the Northwest Conference and uh, can they uh, repeat the feat of beating Whitworth, but this time at Whitworth this year in the conference tournament. A lot on the line for Whitman. We'll talk to their head coach coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Of course, Coach uh, Curl joining us on the City of Salem hotline. City of Salem host of the Men's Division Three Final Four for the 20th consecutive season. They'll hand out their 19th consecutive Division Three men's basketball title. For more tickets, go to City of Salem online. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. 
I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. You can always interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, of course. Um, and we're on Instagram now at D3Hoopsville as well. Uh, get a chance. Don't know if I mentioned it earlier in the show, but I want to give a chance to shout out to Phil Nagley. He's been an old fan of Hoopsville uh, in the past. Uh, graduated from Asai. He's now working uh, as an intern in the sports information field uh, in a Division One school, which we will not name. Um, but he helped me out with the graphics today, and I really appreciate it stepping up and uh, giving me a little bit of manpower work here. I want to thank him since I mentioned all of our social media. Of course, Hoops opens by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. Appreciate uh, their support at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, of course, the National Basketball Coaches Coaches Association. Should also mention the Hoopsville fundraiser, but we'll talk about that in the closing segment. Coming up, I want to thank all those who've gotten us over the 50% threshold uh, with 10 days left in that fundraiser. All right, so we just talked about Plattsburgh. They're on top of their conference, dominating their conference. They're going to, uh, the tournament's going to have to come through them, uh, and certainly playing with a lot of senior leadership from uh, not a lot of seniors. It's a team to watch, a team that's probably going to be playing in the NCAA tournament. Another team who has skyrocketed up in the top 25 poll would be Whitman out on the Northwest. Uh, if you haven't seen what's going on uh, in Walla Walla, um, they are jumped to number nine, mainly thanks to a win against Whitworth and then backing that up. Up ever since then with six straight wins and a lot of them in dominating fashion. Sitting second in the Northwest Conference could change this weekend. You never know with two games to play. So we figured we'd go out there and joining us via the City of Salem Skype, Skype hotline is Eric Bridgeland from Whitman. Hey, Coach, hey, how, how are you, sir? Yeah. How are you? I'm great. Couldn't be better. How about Good. You? I'm doing well. I mean, listen, we, we the missionaries are always in the conversation. Um, you, we're, we always find you around second or third in the last few years. Um, you're certainly a thorn in the side of Whitworth. We'll get to that in a bit. But you're number nine in the country, according to the pollsters. You're number three in the regional rankings. you got to be feeling good about this right now. You know, we had a conversation about uh, 12 months ago, maybe to the day, and then uh, uh, we ended up uh, losing in the first round of the tournament. And so I'm not using that as a jinx. Uh, but, you know, I don't think we're feeling, you know, each day is process, you know, and we have the same schedule and the same process. And we take one game at a time and we got one game, one practice, one shoot around. And uh, that's been really good to us. And so we're going to stick with that. Yeah, I, I didn't want to bring up last year, but you you, you go ahead. Uh, of course, you guys were twenty and six last year, fourteen and two. You did lose, unfortunately. Lewis and Clark Clark tripped you guys up. Yeah, this year did. certainly seemed like a big a, a different team. Maybe a, obviously a little more seasoned, and maybe that that loss to LNC has got you guys a little bit kind of fired up this season. You know what? It's it's um, a little bit uh, of a one eighty from that. We have we have a great senior leadership, and we got a um, a 
couple of sophomores, and then uh, we have seven freshmen. So really, we have ten underclassmen. I guess a few sophomores, uh, but we're just we have young and old. You know, we have uh, bookends, and, and uh, we've got great leadership from the senior class that can also play, that are good players, and then we have a talented freshman class and a couple guys in the middle. So. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun. This is the most fun we've ever had as a program, and we're always relationship-based and into enjoying the journey. But uh, this one kind of separates itself, so we're going to try to keep that going. Let's talk about the team since you brought them out. Four seniors on the squad. Um, certainly a lot of, of freshmen and sophomores and juniors to mix into that as as well. Um, you're led by Tim Howell, uh, eight, nearly 19 points a game, uh, three rebounds a game. But, of course, uh, he's your main assist. Well, not your main assist guy. He's one of your top assist guys. Uh, also pretty good on defense. Uh, Christian McDonald, 14 points a game, um, three rebounds a game. Also hands out a number of assists. Actually, most of these guys hand out of assists. So we're just going to stop there. Everybody I mentioned hands out assists. Uh, eight points from Jack Stewart. Eight points from uh, Montel's White. Uh, pretty much eight points from Austin Butler as well. Your big rebounder being Butler at, at six or rebounds a game. But again, nobody jumps out on that statistic either because everybody's rebounding and you're out rebounding your opponent by about five a game. Statistically, when you read into that, you go, okay, they got a couple big scores and then everything else is team play. Right. No, um, we, we're, we're just deep and uh, we, we never would have thought this. Uh, we lost our returning leading scorer, uh, Jackson Clough, who was a senior, to a torn Achilles in early November. Um, and that was uh, a shock through all of us um, just because he's, he was uh, one of our greatest leaders and uh, mentors. And so uh, without him to have such a balance and having so many freshmen take a step up in his absence, uh, as well as everyone kind of take a step up, uh, we didn't think we would be in this position without him, you know. When you lose your returning uh, leading score, senior returning leading score, uh, you know for the year, uh, that uh, that always dampens things early. But uh, our this this group led by uh, and, and you really can't point out one guy. I mean, uh, Tim Howell's um, a great scorer and a great player, sophomore. You know, uh, Christian McDonald, another sophomore that's another great player and selfless. And, and uh, our senior class has got three guys now: Evan Martin, um, Tochi Odie, um, and a couple other freshmen that are averaging eight a game. So it's uh, we're we're just balanced, um, deep, and uh, like we go 10, 11 deep. Um, that's a lot, and uh, they can all play. And so we've kind of adjusted our style of play, losing Jackson early um, to take advantage of uh, all of them. Um, and it's uh, so far it's working. Yeah, you're, you mentioned going deep. You know, 13 guys have played in uh, 17 of your 22 games, at least 17 of those 22 games. The only guy below that, you know, there's one guy literally on the roster who hasn't played as many games. Um, you know, you mentioned the Tochiotis and the and the and the Philip uh, Chircruz and, and the rest who certainly contribute points, contribute minutes. They don't have things that that blow you away, but you are comfortable going deep. What is it about that bench that may not put up points, but that can at least stem the tide for you or get you bridging you through the game, as it were? You know what? It um, it really started. Uh, I mean, just a um, a short history when we saw the Wisconsin schools. Um, yeah. Know, Two Whatever. years ago? Yeah, you know, yeah. it was like we can't compete with their bigs. I mean, uh, physically, they were so much better than uh, what we could recruit, we thought. So we just focused on getting guys that could play yeah. um, that were all in a range of 6'2 to 6'6 six, six, and mobile and could guard versatile, you know, uh, different positions and, and and could do a little bit of everything, you know. Um, and so that's what these guys can do. They, they they, I may not blow you away with, uh, well, he's only averaging eight points. Well, he can shoot it. He can put it on the ground. He can draw people. He can guard. Uh, he plays hard. 
uh, you know, so that each of them bring um, not just one skill, but maybe two or three and, and at times four different things that they're um, not bad at. And so when you put them out there, they're adding value in several areas. And so if you've ever watched this play, you would think that we don't run anything. So they don't have to worry about, you know, uh, plays that we're running here or there. We have a very simple style of play that they can fit into and play confidently and add value to what's going on on the floor. That's the idea. Let's talk about the schedule a little bit. Listen, I was a top 25 voter who really hasn't bought in until the last couple of weeks. Interesting enough, timed with your leap into number. to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, well, I mean, I'm, you guys leapfrogged a ninth. I've certainly jumped on board during that leapfrog. That being said, I'm not, as I said to you off air, I, I'm not, I don't have you that high. However, it's because I look at the schedule and listen, you know, you, you start off the season really well. Then you hit the Christmas break. Uh, and Tufts tripped you up 107.95. Then uh, you got a nice win over Geneva. Of course, these were all at Cal Lutheran, we should mention. And then Whitworth brought you back to the conference to, uh, reality, as it were, with right. a, a close win, a close win, 95.89 at their place. But since then, your only losses to Pacific Lutheran at home by five. You have beaten then number one Whitworth uh, in, in, in dominating fashion by 16. So me looking at the schedule, I go, okay, there's nothing that jumps out at me. You know, there, there isn't those big games, but at the same time, there's little things like those dominate uh, since the Whitworth game, you pretty much dominated your opponents. What, what is it about this season that I'm, that I'm either not seeing or just on the edge of? Well, we, um, when we played Tufts, uh, we felt like, um, they were really good and, um, their big guy had a great game. We felt we had a little lapse in, in, a um, in a very close, exciting game that really made the difference. And with, uh, with seven freshmen, maybe, you know, uh, we, we got a lot better because of that game. So like, we would love to play them again. Got a lot of respect for sure. their group. Uh, and then you turn around and we come home and we go to Whitworth, which is obviously one of the highlighted games if um, any fans watching. And, and so we, we've got three guys with the flu. We have uh, Philip Churko who doesn't play for a week because of, of a, a back and he's not sure he's coming back. So we felt like we weren't at full strength during that game. That's to take nothing against Whitworth. They're as, they're as good as advertised. Uh, but it was like that was just a bad stretch for us in terms of, man, OK, now we're not 100 percent. And, you know, so from, from that point, we just focused. We just kept focusing, getting better and better. Um, and then when we played Whitworth, I mean, that's always an exciting game. Um, and we had a great game with them here. And then we, you know, a turn around and PLU smacks us and uh, PLU lost by 30 at 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 Whitworth. And um, PLU is good. They're not 30 points worse than Whitworth. Uh, but the, so then they come in here with, you know, something to prove. Yeah, you know, so we're just trying to focus on each day and get better with the young guys we have. Quite frankly, we feel like we haven't, we're not even close to our ceiling yet because Philip Churku, who has been one of our best players early in the season, the Australian who's six seven and can shoot it and pass yeah. it, and make a difference. He's been hurt on and off all year, so he's played in like half our conference games. He's just now coming on. So if we can get him, uh, you know, uh, glued in and uh, get him just consistently healthy, we feel like we have a whole nother level that we could reach. So we're excited about that. Before we talk about what's ahead this weekend and possibly down the road, let me back up two years ago. You mentioned those Wisconsin teams. We saw you at the D3Hoops.com Classic. You got a, a win over Superior there, and then you had a battle with Stevens Point that went to overtime. Unfortunately, just the, the game evaporated on you guys uh, in overtime. But it seemed like you guys were knocking on the door of being able to break through at that point in time. Now, the season didn't finish the way you guys had hoped. You lost four or five uh, to close out that season. Uh, but I felt like, you know, while it didn't go your way, and I don't think you guys showed your experience whatsoever, or really you showed your inexperience when you played Stevens Point, as you pointed out, What it seems like that 
tournament slash season was really the turning point towards where we are now. Is that a fair assessment? I don't, um, I don't look at it that way. You know, like when, uh, when we played, um, when we played that game, we were, we were out without, uh, Ben Eisenhardt, who was the right. return, uh, you know, MVP. He had a concussion was out for three months. So we were trying to figure out a way to play without him. Um, you know, and, and he was what a third team all American by you guys or something like that. So like, I felt like each year we've had something and we've thought about it a lot. Is it, is it Whitman? Is it the, the academic pressures or what are we doing that that's where, we, where we have some kind of a significant injury um, each year, you know, like a Ben was out with a concussion, you know, a clay yeah. broke his foot last year, who was our, uh, our internal leader and drove our ship. And he gets that with a player falling on top of him in February, you know? So I feel like we're at a point where knock on wood, we've had guys somewhat healthy the entire year to where we hit, you know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, there's Phil and he's been out and I, well, I guess we lost Jackson to the ruptured Achilles. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, so I don't know, you know? Um, I just know that that uh, um, we uh, that tournament showed us, and it's such a great tournament, um, showed us that we could play with the best. Um, we just have to be consistent with it, you know. Sure. Um, and uh, that's maybe one thing that uh, we I did take from that is to be consistent, play to play, and game to game. And so process, right? Like we talked about earlier yeah. before the air, we're just process, process right now. So. Well, process ahead of you is two road games, Pacific Lutheran and Puget Sound. You are sitting a game behind Whitworth. Obviously, you know, if everyone wants to play this one out, technically, if, if you go 2-0 and and Whitworth drops just the right game, Pacific Lutheran being that game, there's a chance you could be hosting the tournament at your place. But besides that, obviously you want to stay in the second hole anyway. At worst, how important is this weekend, especially to keep up momentum? Uh, we... I think we've already clinched, um, clinched second, you know, right. uh, like, um, funny how, like, um, one year ago it was the same deal. We were on the road, except we played a uh, UPS and then PLU first and, you know, uh, Whitworth's our travel partner. So they're right. playing the same people. Um, and you know, we went in overtime on the Saturday night at PLU and Whitworth is tied with three seconds ago at UPS. So if, if, um, they don't win that game, which they ended up winning, we win the conference. Right. So, we're 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 right there now. You have the same situation that if we can sweep and they lose to PLU, we win the conference. You know, so uh, just to put it in perspective, Dave, and like we're what are we five and six in our last eleven games versus Whitworth? The rest of the conference is three and eighty-one. Mm-hmm. So you know, like they have a run, and that's not just Coach Logan; he's doing a great job. But uh, Coach Hayford and then uh, Coach Fredericks before him, right? They've been they've been dominant for so long. Uh, you know, and, and there's so many reasons for that. Uh, we're just trying to break through, you know, we're, we're uh, trying to end that dominance, you know, and, uh, well, we're right there. So we'll, see. well, it's interesting because you guys have beaten Whitworth at your place. You can't seem to beat them at their place. And there's a good chance, unless the dominoes fall the right way this weekend, that you're going to have to go back to Whitworth for the conference tournament and most likely face them with a chance to get to the NCAA tournament on the line. Can you get that job done considering you only lost by six the last time up there? You know, it wasn't that close. We were down, uh, we were down uh, <laughs> okay. eight or eight or twelve in that game. And okay. Like I said, like I, I didn't feel like we were a hundred percent either. Um, but but like the same time, um, I think I think what you just brought up, if it turns out that way, you know, like we're focused on having a great practice today. Sure. If in uh, ten days from now, whatever it is, if, if it's we have to go there, I think um, we feel like we can play with anybody in the country anywhere. Um, and I think we would embrace that challenge. Like, Hey, you know, like we, we won there three years ago. I think that's the only time that uh, Whitman's won at Whitworth. 
Um, but, but it, you know, that's just a challenge and that's exciting. And we're having fun with, with each challenge that's coming our way. That's the thing about this team is we have fun in practice. We have fun on our trips. We have fun in the games. Uh, that would be fun. Hey, let's go see if we can do it. But there's a lot of work to be done before then. Of course, if you were to do that, uh, you'd get into the NCAA tournament, which the Whitman program has never done. Uh, women have certainly had their opportunities recently, but the men have never gotten there. At the same time, though, you are in the conversation with that large. You're third in the regional rankings last time out. Obviously, a lot can change between now and, and selections. But you know, if you only were to take one more loss and it was only to Whitworth, you're in a pretty good situation. I'm not saying you're in. I, I, it's too hard to determine that now, but... Just to be in that conversation, Eric, has got to be a boost for this program. You know, uh, we we finished, what, um, second now, four or five years in a row to Whitworth, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, like, they've been great journeys, and young men that have come through have been phenomenal. Like, they're just, uh, it's like one extended family. And we, we wouldn't, that's, that's the objective, is to uh, teach them something and have these great journeys to um, test out these life skills and to adapt and handle adversity, all that stuff. You know, it's uh, there's so much to do between now and then. With with um, the at-large stuff, I mean, uh, because of our proximity, as uh, you know, um, it's going to take a lot for the NCAA to go. If it's close with uh, us and then a uh, another team across the country in any other region that can drive, they're going to go with them, you know. So we're 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 not anticipating um getting an at large because of that reason even if it is close so i i, I think believe, that's too much believe it or not they don't pick based on where you're located they 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 they'll take you if they have to we can talk about your <laughs> if they <laughs> well i'm saying is if if the criteria says take them they're not going to go well but i can get so and so in and just drive them to some place now they actually will pick you if you're legit obviously we've talked about the schedule you've changed the schedule a lot you have that game against tufts you have two games against whitworth how much would it be nice though the women have had this advantage the rest of the conference was able to improve oh no uh, uh, that's how we're looking at is is like our our goals is are, are to, I mean like we talk about process okay um, we want to host this deal at home you know like we, yeah. we want to host the Northwest Conference tournament at home and that's still within our grasp if we handle daily what we can handle you know so we're focusing on that if it like turns out you know down the road and that is the situation and there's a um, a final somewhere and you know great but like we want to bring that to Whitman Whitman's been so good to our program, to myself, to our staff, to our players. There's so much pride in Walla Walla. Um, we're kind of playing for something bigger uh, than just to make it. Yeah, that'll be another step. There's there's uh, no doubt about that. Um, but, you know, uh, we're just focused on that journey and the process and, and uh, playing for something bigger. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us and talk about the missionaries. Obviously, a big weekend ahead in, in the conference tournament. Beyond that, we'll certainly be uh, looking forward to seeing if we're talking about getting you guys into the tournament uh, down the road. But congratulations on a terrific season nonetheless. As always, though, we leave the uh, final word to our guest. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, just how great you guys are. Um, you make our level so special. And uh, whoever hears me talk about you guys is, is uh, you you give or add so much more to the experience of our student athletes. Uh, it would not be the same without D3 Hoop. So appreciate you guys. Well, thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. The kind words. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll we'll uh, talk to you soon. I'm sure. Thanks, Dave. See you, Eric Bridgeland, joining us from uh, from uh, Whitman again. Team is 23 overall, 12 and two in the conference. Two games left in the conference tournament. Funny little story. I noticed on their roster, there's a guy from Lake Oswego, Oregon. I only say this because it's kind of interesting. I was out there in the Northwest for my sister's wedding this past fall. Beautiful part of the country, and I will be getting back. 
for some Division Three basketball, I promise you. But I drove through Lake Oswego uh, for varying reasons. I think I was leaving the rehearsal site and going somewhere else. Beautiful part of the land. It's named after Oswego, New York, which is kind of appropriate considering Division Three. As I'm driving through, though, there's a Salisbury School ba- University banner on a house. I nearly stopped the car in traffic to take a picture. Startling thing I've ever seen. Salisbury, Maryland School located in the Northwest with a prideful banner right next to all the other D1s. I thought it was pretty darn cool. Sorry, a little story on my part. Thanks to Eric joining us there on the City of Salem Skype hotline. Of course, City of Salem hosting the 20th Final Four uh, in Division Three and 19th Men's Championship. They'll be handing that trophy out in March. Get your tickets online to the Salem Final Four and join us in the Roanoke Valley. Of course, uh, we have, uh, we'll wrap up the show coming up next. We'll talk a little bit more about the fundraiser and talk about what else is going on, including those crazy buzzer breeders we have seen all season. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC studios, more Hoops Hope right after this. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a current Division III student athlete and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe student athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues. I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you uh, have enjoyed the show. Uh, we've had it jam-packed, um, and we are well into overtime. We're going to wrap it up here in the next 10 minutes, though. So if you've got questions for us, send them our way quickly, at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can even try us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Quickly, as you do that, we do have a couple questions we'll get to. We'll get to them in a minute, but uh, quick program notes. Back on the air Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Um, certainly, we'll try and do more to figure out what's going on in conference races. We'll have more guests on the show. Of course, we'll have the WBCA Center Court segment. Uh, NABC um, Coach's Corner uh, had an idea for it. Didn't didn't happen this week. Uh, we'll try and pull it off down the road. Uh, but the WBCA Center Court will be on Sunday uh, as well. Um, and then let's see, then next Thursday, we'll be on the air again, seven o'clock Eastern time. As we look at things midweek, uh, obviously the final regional rankings will be out, um, so on and so forth. Um, we'll also have, you know, uh, we'll, uh, well, I mean, the regional rankings alone will kind of, kind of dictate some of the things we wanted to say. Speaking of regional rankings, wanted to bring this up. Uh, Brian Van Haften and I have been communicating. He's the men's committee chair. He, he wanted to point out. 
Um, that obviously things changed this past week with the uh, uh, record versus regionally ranked opponents, uh, though he didn't think anything major had changed. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're dealing with the parity as much as everybody else is. They're dealing with a lot of losses that, that I think we're not used to. Um, and we'll see how it all works out. Um, one of the issues that I know was brought up, I've got a question about it regarding Lancaster Bible. I got a question about it via email earlier today. Uh, also, I'm trying to see if there's anything clearly in this email. This, this email kind of goes into some things that I got to reply to individually. But as far as a tweet, but you know, what's the latest on Lancaster Bible? Not ranked. And they're not coming up in conversation. I'm probably going to write something next week as an op-ed. Um, I'm trying to save it for that. I don't want to jump out too far on this one because it's a little bit dicey. First and foremost, should Lancaster Bible win the conference? We all know this is a moot point. Uh, it, it's not that big a deal in the grand scheme of things. The challenge is that it's too bad we'd have to be in that situation to, to ignore uh, the scenario, if that makes any sense. So, Okay, Lancaster Bible's not regionally ranked right now. They aren't really coming up in conversation right now. The problem is their SOS is like a 414, um, and they they only have one win of significance. It's Franklin and Marshall. Yes, it's, it's, it's a butt-kicking, but it's the only game on their resume. The conference is killing them. Um, some outside of that is killing them, too. I mean, they don't have the... the they have an okay out-of-conference schedule, but not a great one. The problem is, at some point, it feels like the SOS is taking over. Now, the irony of this is that on the bottom side of schools, like a North Central, we talked about them last year, they're kind of in the same boat this year, but they may not. They, they actually are more improved this year. But North Central has a ridiculous um, schedule play a lot of regionally ranked opponents, but they don't win a majority of those games. Um, and as a result, they've got a lot of losses or, you know, by their standards. They, they have a number of losses, what we should say. They may be left out of the NCAA tournament because their win-loss isn't good enough, that the SOS can't make up for it. Um, on the flip side of that, or at least that was the truth last year, this year they're better positioned, so that may not be the case. The flip side of that is Lancaster Bible is being punished because the SOS and the win-loss isn't playing a role. Listen, I understand the SOS playing a role in the middle um, to, to kind of offset win-loss percentages when you've got a bunch of win-loss numbers you're looking at. But on the extremes, at least on the bottom side, it felt like this, the win-loss was, was kind of playing a role over the SOS. And we saw on the women's side, and we are seeing on the women's side, and Johnson and Wales is an example of that again. Number eight on the men's Northeast poll, number five on the women's Northeast poll, um, same number of losses. Um, I think the, the women see at some point that the win-loss is the win-loss, and darn it, you've won that many games. Not going to kill you for that. I think Lancaster Bible is getting killed for their SOS. Not everything is in their control, but there are parts that are in their control. So let's give it one more week here. I want to see what happens next week with regional rankings once more losses get filed in. Lancaster Bible needs to win out. Let's just get that out of the way. But I want to see if something shifts next week now that we get more wins and losses for everybody else um, in there to figure out what's going on. But I'm a little nervous that we're going to set a bad precedent saying to a one-loss team, 
See ya. Um, put it this way. In Division One, that'd be a big story. And so I want to see how this all plays out. Um, what was the other question I got? Oh, I got a question about the St. John's Johnnies, whether they would make the NCAA tournament. I'm, and without diving into the numbers, knowing where they're regionally ranked right now, I don't think so. Plain and simple. Uh, I think they get behind Whitman, and I don't see any reason for them to change it unless Whitman goes down early in the conference tournament or takes a loss this week and St. John's keeps winning and loses in the conference title game. Uh, I, right now, I don't think St. John's gets in as an at-large. I think Whitman, rightly so, will play blocker. I don't think that, you know, this isn't a scenario like two years ago where um, Staten Island blocked William Patterson. Very similar criteria. If you'd flopped him, I think William Patterson had a better um, resume on a national scale than Staten Island did on a on a regional scale. The two were very similar, but on a national scale, William Patterson had some pluses there that I think would have maybe gotten him off the table and brought Staten Island back up. No team got out of the Atlantic region. Staten Island ended up blocking William Patterson. I think Whitman ends up blocking the West, but not in such a bad way. I think Whitman has some good numbers. Yeah, their SOS isn't great, and that's going to cause the block. Um, but if anybody's behind Whitman, I don't think you're getting in. And I'm not 100% sure Whitman gets in. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I replied to the email, I don't think St. John's is an automatic bid right now. Here, I mean, uh, an at-large bid. Here's the problem. There's going to be a lot of at-large bids coming out of the Central. There's going to be a lot of at-large bids coming out of the Great Lakes. Uh, probably a few at-large coming out of the East and a couple maybe out of the Northeast. Mid-Atlantic, maybe one. I don't see a lot. The South, I don't see a lot either. The bulk's going to be in that Central and Great Lakes regions. Uh, and then add in any upsets that are going to, disrupt the card on top of that so let's say there's 19 at large bids and i'm pretty confident i'm making up numbers folks do not quote me on these i'm just doing this for example but i'm pretty confident let's say that 10 of them will come out of the central and great lakes um another three let's just say out of the uh the or four out of the northeast another three out of the east that leaves us two bids now throw in some upsets on top of that and and even the ones we think we're going to get in are get are going to be left home so um I'm just not confident the West is going to get a lot of at-large bids, if any, if any at-large bids. Um, and remember, a week and a half from now, Sunday night, the 28th, we'll be on the air here talking about all that. We'll start at 6. We'll talk about who we think's into the tournament. We'll make our own predictions as if we're a committee. Um, on the men's side, we were 19 for 19 last year. On the women's side, we were 19 for 21. Um, interesting enough, the two we missed on were the ones we leaned on SOS, not win-loss. They got in on win-loss more than SOS. So, um, Fire your questions. Got a couple more minutes here. I want to go through a couple buzzer beaters that uh, we weren't able to show on Sunday, but also one that's happened recently. Uh, the first one here, hold on, let me back up, uh, is from SUNY Old Westbury. Got their 20th win thanks to a buzzer beater. Raven uh, Pence found Jazz, uh, Jasmine Robinson on the inbounds. Got the leaning three-pointer. Uh, we wanted to show you this one, so hang on, hold on. Got You got to do the whole uh, cue it up type thing. So uh, check it out. Here's the first one. Just not fair. Just not fair at all. Great shot, to say the least. Next one is uh, final seven seconds. Grove City wins on a buzzer beater against St. Vincent. Uh, check this one out. Not too shabby on this one either. What a game it's been. What a finish we'll have. Here's J.C. Howard to inbound. Finds Bell. Bell will drive in, and the game is tied. 
pocket pick from behind. Ball out of bounds off of Jones. We'll go with it, folks. There is an out of bounds play. This is really good. This is all part of it. It's all about the response. Clearing the bench, by the way, if you didn't see it. Clearing the bench, you give their inbounder as much room as physically possible. Just not fair on the alley-oop. How about that, folks? If you see it on the alley-oop, just not fair in the slightest. Alley-oop, alley-oop. Check it out again. Tam wants space, which is created. Teammates of the bench area. Point six. And Beckman, the Just gorgeous. Is good. Just gorgeous. Absolutely love it. Wonderful play on that one. Uh, I got a couple others, so bear with me here. This one is Pacific uh, against Puget Sound. This will be the last one we'll show here tonight. Hold on, I'm going to read through that because it started off on a block. It's kind of important. been a lot of buzzer beaters as of late been pretty darn impressive that one definitely was on that list oh we had one more i apologize uh concordia wisconsin against uh, uh who is that uh aurora i believe check this one out uh, I, f I knew there was one more check this one out Sometimes it's not the initial shot, it's the uh, rebound that'll get you. Well done by everybody there, to say the least. Certainly enjoyed that one. Um, the alley-oop alley one might have been the best, though, in traffic. Just just a well-done play across the board. All right, so that's going to probably wrap it up. I'm double-checking, make sure you didn't send us any uh, last-second communiques. Figure out if you had any questions. Again, uh, email hoopsville at d3hoops.com. I'll even answer the questions outside of that. Um, by the way, as far as the fundraiser goes, let's check that baby out. We are closing in on $4,000. Our goal is $7,500. Uh, we'd like to go past our goal, and we're, we're not, not at 4000 yet. We are 52% of the way. We've only got only 10, got 10 days, days left, left here, left folks. Here, folks. Um, the, challenges the challenges are there. Are there. You can you even can pick, pick up perks, perks like T-shirts like and stuff. And stuff. Uh, uh, no, no, not, not everybody's not claimed all the perks. They're out there if you want them. You don't have to take them, but they're out there if you want them. Uh, let uh, us let know. Us please support, support us. us. We really appreciate it if you could. Hoopsville fundraising campaign, uh, so, so on and so, so forth. forth. But again, again Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. If you have questions, we'll try and answer them off the air as well and uh, more and more. But that's going to wrap it up for tonight. Uh, for, thank everybody who came on the show from uh, uh, across uh, our, our great country. <laughs> Alex Graves, a Lynchburg senior, joining us on the show to talk about that insane 160-155 game. Howard Herman from the Berkshire Eagle giving us a NESCAC preview. Appreciate him giving us uh, the lowdown there, up there in the beautiful Berkshires of Massachusetts. Brian Morehouse from number three, Hope. Uh, Bill Broderick from number 16, Christopher Newport. Number 
Tom Curl from number 23, Plattsburgh, and number nine's Eric Bridgeland from Whitman. want to thank all of them for coming on the show. I think that's the first time all season we've had nothing but basically ranked teams outside the uh, Lynchburg, which is a last-minute guest. It, we happen to spread the wealth quite a bit this year, but just happen to have nothing but ranked teams here tonight. I want to thank the sports information directors as well, again, from Lynchburg, uh, from Hope, Christopher Newport, Plattsburgh, and Whitman for their assistance as well. Certainly helps us get the show done. Um, so we'll be back on Sunday. We'll primarily focus on the Northeast region, the uh, Atlantic region, the South, and the Central regions. But we also have the WBCA Center Court, which will give us a chance to talk to uh, another coach outside of that. Um, we'll also uh, possibly get a, a Mid-Atlantic report, but we're still working on the details there. Uh, an idea of, of, of the conference tournaments, which will be wide open on the Mid-Atlantic side, especially on the men's side, coming up. Uh, and, of course, we'll answer your questions as well. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. Certainly appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the show. Again, back on Sunday, 7 o'clock, back on following Thursday at 7 o'clock. And a week and a half from tonight, we'll be on the air a long time talking about who we think's in the brackets um, and on the and making it in the NCAA tournament. You've been listening to Hoops Hoop, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Our guests come to you via the City of Salem hotline. City of Salem hosting the 20th uh, Final Four in Division Three men's basketball. 19th men's championship will be handed out in the Roanoke Valley. Get your tickets today. You can find them online. City of Salem is proud sponsor and hosts of the Division Three men's championship weekend along with the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. Thank you for everybody who tuned in. Thank you to our guests for joining us. I appreciate your support. You've been listening to Hoopsville, and we'll be back on Thursday, or sorry, we'll be back on Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. If you missed it, the archives and podcasts are available. Enjoy them as well. Good night, everybody. <laughs>